Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. everybody, it's Wednesday, July 24th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say. Yo! Mr. Bob Ryer. Shalom. And Stephanie <laughs> Cook. Hello! And Mazel Tov to you, yeah. <laughs> Bob. So, we are, well, for everybody listening, we're not really back, but we're back for our first regular episode in about three weeks. Um, I have been away in Israel. Uh, it was uh, an amazing, amazing trip. Uh, mostly fantastic with um, with uh, delicious food and very nice people, but a few times that were extremely, extremely scary. Uh, um, uh, one of which I'll share with you guys on the show now, and then we, when we'll go on to talking about a, a little bit uh, of comics. Um, actually, before we get to that, I just want to mention this happened... A couple days actually after I left, announced it's very it's it's sad news, uh, but uh, and it's weeks old now. But Ryan Davis, who uh, was one of the founders of GiantBomb.com and the host of Giant Bombcast, passed away wow. uh, at the age of 34. Um, and I just bring it up because that show and that website is the, my biggest inspiration for kind of what we do here. And I just wanted to uh, give my condolences to his friends and his family and just say how much influence and how much he will be missed uh, now that he is gone. Indeed. Um, I just wanted to start out with that. So I found that out when I was in Israel. Um, but Israel itself, I was shooting a documentary uh, about wounded uh, Israeli soldiers who help other injured Israeli soldiers oh, wow. uh, get back into society and deal with their PTSD and get over their injuries. A lot of very emotionally fulfilling and mostly draining uh, interviews. Sure. Uh, you know, we spent a lot of time in Tel Aviv, a lot of time in some towns in between Tel Aviv and Jerusalem. Uh, and Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, they're beautiful. Tel Aviv is a modern city through and through. You know, if you're there, you could. it feels like you could be anywhere. You know, the, the, you don't feel any danger there. And really not in Jerusalem either. Uh, but we did spend uh, some time in the West Bank, uh, which is a, a territory that is uh, both Palestinian and Israeli living very close to each other and that, and there aren't a ton of terrorist attacks that happen there. Uh, but, uh, there are still some things that happen there. So when we're driving through there, the, our guide, this guy, Arlay, who drew up with us the whole time, it was an awesome, awesome guy. Uh, was telling us stories about how the night before, uh, some people had pushed these boulders into the street and made people stop so they could throw rocks at their windows. And a friend of his, Mm windshield had been busted open uh, by these rocks and that we're driving on this road where it happened the night before it's like thanks Arlie yeah yeah, yeah. so uh, that was a little bit uh, stressful and we were on this mountain basically overlooking uh, Nobilis which is the biggest Palestinian city 
uh, in the West Bank, and uh, you know he was talking about how in past days there there would be people who would hide, you know, with guns, and there'd be snipers and, and stuff like that. <laughs> So, you know, a little bit shouldn't have brick. Uh, <laughs> you are a braver man than I, Bobby. <laughs> During that situation. But the, the, really, the really intense story was uh, we were folk... The, this foundation called Hope for Heroism was, found, was co-founded by this guy named Gil. Now, Gil was injured. Uh, he was part of an elite Israeli unit called the Duv Devon, which is kind of like their undercover military unit. Uh, and they went into Bethlehem to find a terrorist, and he got shot. Uh, during that time, and he was the kind of the main character of our, our, our story, and so we wanted to. Bethlehem is a place that's closed to Israelis. Uh, it's Palestinian controlled, and Israeli it's illegal for Israelis to go there. But Americans can go there just fine. And in Bethlehem, old Bethlehem, you know, it gets like two million tourists a year because uh, the Church of Nativity is there, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of these famous famous biblical places are there, and. We decided we were going to go there to shoot, to kind of get, you know, this is where he got shot kind of thing. The, the situation was, though, that, you know, where he was shot was not in old Bethlehem, not in touristy Bethlehem. It was in uh, a refugee camp called Ida, which is a place where in 1948, when Israel, Israel began, where they basically said, okay, you guys need to get out of here because uh, we're moving in. We're going to put you in these camps and you will get you back to your houses soon. And they've never got back to the houses. They still, they're still there. Uh, it's a, you know, extremely low income place. It's, it's, uh, a place that known terrorists have been in many, many times. You know, these, these, that kind of place. Uh, our guides couldn't go over with us because they're Israeli. So we had to get a, uh, a Palestinian guides to, to bring us around. Um, the initial ones they set up didn't speak English. So we had to, we were kind of like, okay, that's not going to work. You need to get an English speaking guide. Cause he, then our guy was like, well, I'll be on the phone with him the whole time. And we said, Arlie, that that's not going to work. Cause we lose signal. Like what, what are we going to do? We need to be able to communicate with the guy. So, you know, we, we lined up this uh, a new guide, English speaking, and we were supposed to, uh, basically go in there, look around, but we didn't know there's no streets. There's no street signs in this place. There's, you know, th- this is a th- this is a uh, basically a ghetto. So we we on you know, Google Maps, they found the place where it supposedly was, and they marked it. And we were, for the next five days, we went over basically our plan of how to find the place. Complicated by the fact that we can't tell we can't tell this guy that we're here shooting a movie about Israeli soldiers. They would never yeah. let us in. You know. Uh, so we had a cover story. We were a documentary crew that was sh- crew that was shooting a film about refugee camps. So we have to kind of. You should have said you were making a science fiction movie. Uphold this yeah, cover story, <laughs> and we're going in. Now all the while, every time we tell somebody we're going to Bethlehem, they get this look on their face, you know, like we're going to hell, basically. Wow. And uh, our guide said to us, you know, that for for Jews. This area is as dangerous as Mogadishu is for Americans. Wow! Like if you're if you, they find out you're Jewish and you're in this area, you will get killed. Um, he says, you know, Americans are fine. And you know, the, your biggest weapon is your American passport. Nobody wants. None of these guys want that American microscope thrown down on onto their area. So no one's going to do anything to you. You know, don't worry about it. But we're still freaking out about it. I mean, it's a scary proposition. We're going into a refugee camp by ourselves with someone we don't know. 
And on the way, finally, the we went next to last day. We end up we went, and we're on the way there. We're driving there, uh, and we've been joking all week with our guide, and he had been making jokes. He's like, "Just let me make sure I know where the footage is, so that I can get it after you guys don't come back." And on stage at the award <laughs> ceremony, I'll say, "This is in loving memory to Bobby and Adam, <laughs> oh, who gave God. their lives." <laughs> Saying stuff like, you know, we, uh, uh, you know, if we, if, if you guys, you know, get injured, you guys will definitely be superstars. We'll definitely win the Oscar, like stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and he's still, still making these jokes as we're driving the checkpoint, but we're just not responding anymore. And he looks at us and he goes, you know, you guys, your your faces are completely white. You know, there's no color in your faces. You have no, there's no more humor. And all the while they've been joking about it, but then just before we got there, he says to us, he goes, look. If you feel for one moment that you're unsafe, if you don't trust the guy you're with, call us and we will come and get you out. And it's supposed to reassure us, freaked us out even more. Because it's the first time that they gave, they let go that there might be something that could happen. There might be something wrong, you know. Uh, and Adam actually said to me on the way there, he goes, Bobby, if you don't, if you want to bail out, I totally understand you don't have to do this. I was like, I can't, I'm not going to let you go in alone. Like, I'm not, I'm not, how awful would I feel if something happened to you, you know. So... Uh, we get to the checkpoint. He can't drive to the checkpoint because the guy's meeting us on the other side because he can't come through because he's Palestinian. So we have to walk through the checkpoint. That's a James Bond movie breaking out here. And the checkpoint looks like you're walking into a prison. You know, it's like a big wall to walk through a metal turnstile, walk past a guard, and then walk through the in these paths that are inside the wall that have like metal bars on them. Uh, we walk out, and we're not 20 feet from where we were before, and it's like walking a different world. You know, it's like walking from modern world to, you know, a place that's basically 50 or 60 years in arrest development with, with, with where they are. Um, we, we find this guy. Now, the whole plan was just to drive us around the outside of the camp and go into the camp from the, from the, 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 the bottom and then walk through because we had a plan from there. Immediately, the guy's like, we're going to park up here. And we're going to walk the rest of the way because it's tough to have a car in the camp. So we can't say anything because we're supposed to be – this guy's supposed to be our guide. Like, you know. So he walks us – lets us out like right by this wall, the giant wall that separates Jerusalem from Bethlehem. And we're walking around the side of the wall. And now this wall has become pretty famous because Banksy did a, a giant mural on it. Huh. Uh, and there's also – there's a ton, ton of graffiti. He's t- telling the story of the wall when it went up. You know, the, uh, the Israelis, they, 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 there's always Israeli snipers in these towers, blah, blah, whatever. And he's like, I'll lead you through here and then I'll, I'll lead you to the main entrance. And the place he led us through was the cemetery of the camp. Oh. <laughs> and in that moment, when we walked in that cemetery, I have never been more scared in my entire life. In my entire life. I... We walked walk through the cemetery. There was also there were these two guys like standing in the cemetery, like not like mourning, like just kind of hanging out. And in that moment, I was like, "We're gonna die. These guys are gonna kill us. That's gonna be it." And it was a real thought. And Adam said the same thing to me when we were. He's like, "That's the most scared I've ever been in my life." Uh, he led us through the cemetery. It was fine. He led us into the camp. We walked into the camp. And being in the camp, it was like being in like it's like looking at shots of Beirut on the news. Like that's what it looks like. You know, houses, windows with no glass. Holes in the houses, bullet holes in like in uh, uh, in the buildings because they're constantly getting raided. Like every week, they get raided by the Israeli soldiers. Let us around here, uh, this place, and you know we're kind of keeping our eye on the map, like uh, about where we need to go. And at one point, we're, we're in this area, and I'm like, Adam, we're right near the spot. So we just start shooting everywhere, like around where we are, to try to get anything we we can get. 
and we shoot all this stuff, and then I, we're not sure if we got it. We're like, we might need to walk down this block, but we can't tell this guy we want to walk down this block because why? You know, we the, yeah. we don't want to arouse any suspicion at this point. You know, we're hanging by a knife right now in our minds. You know, <laughs> on the edge of a knife. So we he leads us out of the camp. We actually he actually takes us down to the church of nativity because we asked him to because we figured it'd make us seem more touristy. We wanted to see it Absolutely. anyway, but it like gives us more of that whole like thing. We went down there. He drove us back to the checkpoint. We got out. We walked to the checkpoint, and when we got out, it was like this rush of adrenaline wave your body and you know it was an incredibly scary thing to do but it's something that no, hardly anyone's ever done and it, and it was amazing because we didn't regret it at all once we once we had done it but that was definitely the craziest thing that we did when, when we were in israel so you're glad you went yeah you're glad to be home yeah and if you do go wear diapers yeah yes <laughs> i'll say this though going to israel beautiful beautiful place if you stick to the touristy spots in the main parts of the city amazing place to visit amazing place Really kind people. The food was ridiculous. Like you order something and they bring out like fourteen different kinds of salads and dips that mm-hmm. just come with your meal. Like there's, you know, there's not extra. Like you know, hummus and tahini and baba ganoush and roasted eggplant and, and, and like coleslaw and like the the uh, a, a green salad and like their kind of salsa, this hot sauce, all this like pita bread and rolls and everything. It was amazing. Like you know. Uh, uh, it was an amazing experience, really, really amazing experience. But that's wild, dude. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty. It was pretty wild. So yeah. Uh, mm. So that is uh, my Israel story for now. That's good. They didn't ask to see your footage or what? The, who the, what? Pe- the the guards? No, yeah. no, 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 no. Good. Uh, well, it's funny because a lot of the, a lot of times our most hassle was from Israeli soldiers because they were worried we were pro-Palestinian people, like trying to film mm-hmm. to make them look bad. So. Because we were exactly the opposite, and then get security on the way out of Israel. They pulled my boss and I out of line, separated us, oh. and were asking us questions about what we were doing there. Oh, that was like Argo, <laughs> except we were telling the truth that we actually were making a movie. So, yeah. So, how was your guys' last couple weeks? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like that. I was by the pool <laughs> reading comics. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. Good. My yeah. house got struck by lightning. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was yeah, fun. True. Can you actually turn the microphones? Just turn the actual microphone up. Uh, there you la, go. La, there you go. There you go. Uh, yeah. Whoa. Whoa. There you go. So yeah, uh, my my story is not nearly as entertaining as yours. Well, we'll lead out of it into the our talking about comics. So, <laughs> uh, I lost some home appliances. I lost my nice TV. It's losing gone. Your, losing your TV is rough, man. But I know, right? Such problems I have. No, but seriously, I would be crying if I lost my TV. Well, this was a situation was that I lost the computer, too. Mm -hmm. So I lost the computer and I lost the TV. So I had all you could do in my house for days was either read comics or go to sleep (laughs) or play with the cat. Considering it was 150 degrees. Yeah, that too. Terrible options. That too. So um, so that was fun. But whatever. I... I, uh, Managed to fix the computer. A friend of the website who follows us on Twitter actually reached out to me and said he works with computers. Bring mm. it by his place. And I brought it over. He fixed it on his lunch break. He handed it back to me. And uh, it was pretty awesome. You know, just it's yet another cool thing of the the community and stuff that we have and yeah. people that 
are into comics. There's some really, really nice people out there. Yes. And he just great. took it upon himself to help, and he did. And now I have my computer back, and I'm back online, and it's awesome. That's great. The TV, I will hook up a multimeter tonight in my home and try not to die while I fix it. <laughs> um, if I do get it fixed, you'll be the first to know. <laughs> All right. And let us know if you're... No, no, don't let us know if you're dead. You won't be able to. Forget I start to say that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll have a time release tweet go up. Here you go. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so, another thing, too, this is episode 91 of the Talking Comics podcast. Mm-hmm. Episode 100 is, uh, is coming up uh, very, very close. And uh, it's going to be the, the end of September. Uh, and we have discussed, and we've actually, we're pretty sure. That on Friday, September twentieth, uh, we're going to do a live, like in-person show uh, here Ooh. on Long Island. <laughs> uh, Bob has secured for us uh, the top floor of this bar in Patchogue called Reese's. Uh, it's a very small space, so uh, we want people. To, we want obviously fans to come. Uh, if you guys want to come. Send me an email at bobby at talkingcomicbooks.com and let me know. The thing is, and we understand that people, there's a lot of people who live in very disparate areas, and if you want to come far away, that is amazing. But we want to make sure that the people who say they're going to come are actually coming because mm-hmm. we're going to have a very limited space. Uh, so if you're sure you can come and you're sure you want to come, uh, again, <laughs> this is not going to be for another you know two months, but it is going to happen. So... Email me Bobby at talkingcomicbooks.com. We'll throw it up in the in the in the post, and we'll make a post for it eventually, so people know that it's coming. But we're gonna try to do it live, uh, and it's it is a bar, but it's also a restaurant. So I believe that if you're under, we'll have to we'll have to see this. But if you're under twenty one, I think you can still come because because yes, it, it, it's a restaurant. Mm-hmm. It's not just a bar. Um, if you you are over twenty one, you get to drink. So awesome. Uh, there will be no. Uh, no fee to get in or anything like that, and we'll just ask that you guys do purchase food and stuff like that. So the the, the place that we're going to be at, it, you know, gets a little bit of uh, response to what we're doing. Um, great hamburgers, so you yeah, they definitely do have great, do oh, have great in, hamburgers. The food's incredible. Yeah, uh, so I always forget that you. Sorry, go ahead. Your like drinking age is twenty one. That's weird. it is. Yeah, welcome to the United States, Stephanie. <laughs> uh, so definitely September twentieth is that date. Uh, really really excited about it uh i'm trying i'm i'm hoping that we're gonna have some maybe some like little souvenirs or t-shirts or something by then so we can give out some stuff there uh i'm also trying i'm working on trying to get a guest to come i'm not gonna say who it is because it's not even close to anything it close to definite it's not even close to it's not even a maybe yet, but it is a possibility. So if we can get this guest to come, boom, you guys will hear about it very, very soon. And then I think people will be fighting to come. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then we'll start, then we'll start to charge. Yeah, Steve oh, just uh, whispered something to me. Stole my idea, man. I was totally going to talk to you about that. When you were done. Uh, so uh, we're really excited about that. Regardless, it'll be a great time. Um, I know with Stephanie, I talked about this, but she's going to try to come down. So it's not definite, but I know, right, Stephanie, you said you'd try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah uh, there's a really cool company in Toronto that does pretty inexpensive flights to New York. So mm. uh, if it, the kind of timing works out and I'm able to 
there's not anything going on. I'm going to try my darndest to come down. So that would be amazing. Someone can pick me up at the airport. Please. Yes. Oh, we'll, we'll work that. <laughs> yeah. Out. And, we'll, and we'll if she doesn't come down, we'll set up a TV screen and put her face on it. We'll stream it live. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it'll be a good time. So again, Bobby at talkingcombooks.com. Just email me and let me know if you're interested in coming. Uh, so yeah, that's all the business out of the way. We have spent, I hope you guys really enjoyed the radio play last week. A lot of people have asked, is there, there going to be more? There definitely are going to be more. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of editing time, so we got to figure out what we're going to do in advance, and we'll do some in the maybe one a month, maybe one every other month. We'll definitely figure it out. Um, people also really liked Bob's History of the Fantastic Four. We've got requests mm-hmm. to do other history episodes. Yikes. So I don't think, I think that will probably be, I don't think those will be mainline TC episodes, but we might spin it off into its own, like, you know, Ooh, unlike the Jeffersons. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, not no, no regularly scheduled podcast, but a special show that we'll throw up every once in a while. Um, so yeah, so we've missed about three weeks of books. Uh, we're going to start off with comics because this week, really, the topic of the week is going to be news. We're going to talk about uh, San Diego Comic Con, mostly all news coming out of there. We'll talk about some news that happened when we were gone, uh, but mostly that's, that's what the topic is going to be. So let's talk about some books. Bob, why don't you start us out? Well, just because I need to start negatively. (laughs) (laughs) It's a happy podcast. It will be right after this, I I promise. I just want to talk about World's Finest 14, which I've been loving Mm -hmm. until we changed art. Now the star of this book, it's apparently Huntress and Booby Girl. I love Booby Girl. Uh, but I mean, it, it's, she's a cross between Barbie and a blow-up doll. <laughs> I mean, and not having been inflated properly, there are just no arms and legs. It's just oh like God. old chest. I mean, what is the point of that? It's just hideous. Just hideous. Anyway, I, I hope they cancel it. How's this. the book, aside from the, the, that's the Chester, Chesterella or whatever? The sad thing, Chesterella, that's very good. <laughs> Well, sad thing is, the story is still very good. Paul Levitz is still telling that great buddy story, but we're we're now just inundated with terrible shots of cleavage and belly buttons, even when they're just standing around eating ice cream. We have to turn to a Victoria's Secret runway show. <laughs> just, uh, just just tell the story, and uh, maybe this could get you know when they get killed during Villains Month or whatever, they can just go away. You know, we don't have to worry about it anymore. Because I. I, I I'd, it sounds silly to say I feel bad about an inanimate object that I'm not reading, <laughs> but I'd feel bad. I, I really love the story. And no, the you want you but, want it to be good. You like mm. the characters. You like the series or what it started as, and you want it to get back yeah. to the way it was. Again, we went from uh, you know, Kevin McGuire and the legendary George Perez to a booby girl. <laughs> it's just not good. <laughs> I stole that, by the way. I didn't make that up. What, booby girl? Yeah. Who, there was a guy who's uh, Chris Notoriel, who makes uh, fan films, did a Power Girl versus Solomon Grundy 15-minute fan film, and he spends the whole time calling her Booby Girl. <laughs> that's funny. So that's been stuck in my head now for like, I don't know, 10 years. He made one, too, where she, she got fired from the Justice League, and she has to tr- go get work. <laughs> After she's she's beat some supervillain up to, to a pulp or whatever, one of them is working the help desk at a computer company. They used to say her attitude doesn't stand her in good stead when people start complaining about their computers. <laughs> anyway, on to comic books. This was about comic books. Stephanie, did you read X Factor yet? No. Then we can't I say will, too I'll much. get to yeah, you know my spiel, yeah. but I didn't read it yet. I picked it up though. Oh, it's it's amazing. There's so many 
weird old moments. Yeah, I heard it was really, really weird. Um, Theodore Bond, I believe, was going on about it on Twitter. I was supposed to read it before we got together today, Mm -hmm. but it didn't happen. (laughs) You'll enjoy it. It goes in a lot of different places. Um, A quick thank you to Chris Parker and Carlos Pagulian, who finished off Red She-Hulk very, very nicely. Jeff, what did I say? Chris Chris Parker. Parker. Why did I say Chris Parker? I don't know. I don't know. Jeff Parker. (laughs) That's too bad. Anyway, uh, the whole storyline that's been going with Tesla and his world computer and little Emily and all the stuff going on and her big-ass sword she gets back and actually puts it into place where there could be another series. It's all sort of to be continued somewhere. Uh, And it's nice that Betty had a, a nice little farewell and rounded off nicely. Um, Fearless Defenders, anyone going to talk about? Didn't get to read it yet. No, I didn't get to read it yet. Another awesome cover, though. Yeah. uh, Hmm. Mark Brooks is just killing month after month. And what's been most amazing is all these crazy covers have all been representative of something that happens inside the book. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Whether it was the Collecting Danny Moonstar, which, you know, Carolyn LeFay did, or the fight cover from mm-hmm. what Mortal Kombat was that? It was one? Street Fighter. Street, Street Fighter. Fighter. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or this one where you've got monster Doom maidens and sort of Charlie's angels in mm-hmm. the front. Uh, big fight sequence. Valkyrie against all her teammates, as we saw at the end of last issue. Tons of surprises. Some just great, great stuff. This has been a great surprise. Um, I mean, I expected it to be good, but not this good. It, mm-hmm. it just gets better and better, and we're moving forward here. I can't say anything. Anyway, <laughs> I got a lot of stuff I can't say anything about. There was three three weeks worth of books to get through. I just it <laughs> fell through the cracks. Steve's going to talk about that one, so we'll put that yes. one over there. Uh, Avengers Assemble seventeen. I'm I'm doing the hit and run version today. Uh, great setup for what will be the finale of the Enemy Within event. Uh, sentries galore. They've all hooked up now. Bad stuff is happening. Let me just warn people, uh, previews is out on the shelves today in your store. Mm-hmm. The solicitations for the next, for the Captain Marvel that will be in previews actually spoil some of the events that are going to happen in the, in the end of this. Ooh. Okay. So be very careful going through previews. It's going to be, a, it's a real nice thing that's going to end up happening, but that, that now it, you find out beforehand, even accidentally, because I saw it on the internet, it was like, oh, great. Thanks. Ah. Thanks a heap. And I'm pretty good at that. And this was just, you know, some of those things, it pops up in a heading. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks a lot, internet. <laughs> Creepy internet. Um, It'll get you. Uh, Actually, but- speaking of solicitations, just super, super quickly, and Kelly Sue, her, uh, if you check her Tumblr... She actually has a fill-out form for Pretty Deadly, the first issue. Oh, cool. Ooh. Oh, yeah. So um, if you guys are excited about that, you know, Kelly Sue DeConnick, Emma Rios, you should just quickly hop over to kellysue.tumblr.com and grab one of those, print it out, and take it to your uh, local comic book shop so that they order the right amount. There's a form. It's really cool with original art from Emma. So go do that. That's all. Carry on. Nice. <laughs> yeah, excellent. When's the date on that? Is it still October? Um, it's release date is October 23rd, and order deadline is August 18th. All right. Excellent. Okay, so go print that out because it's really cool and do that. Yeah, the art <laughs> on that, what, the samples I've seen have been absolutely incredible. Yeah, they've been really nice. Um, Batgirl 22, which amazingly doesn't have Batgirl in it anywhere except the cover. The cover is really cool, too. Yes. It's a different, very different cover for that series. Let me see something about it because I read this. What do you mean she's not in it? <laughs> oh, maybe she's not in it. Oh, you're right. Okay. Ah, see, I'm being, I, I'm being coy. <laughs> I read a lot of stuff. I forgot about this one. You know, but go it's, on. It's Babs on a date. 
with with Ricky, the guy she arrested, you know, months and months and months ago. Still tons of action. Mm-hmm. And one of the great Commissioner Gordon Batman moments of all time. Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't, we're two weeks out. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, let's just say Batman gets a little bit of a comeuppance. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time you heard that word used, huh? It's been a while. And now I'm going to break the internet. Uh-oh. Because my book of the week is A plus X. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I haven't. I've been collecting this, so please continue. Well, I do not, but I only. I bought it for one reason. Even though I have no idea who Phantom X is, and it was it was a fun story. He seems rather like a shape shifting. I love Phantom mut- X. Mutant thing. Mm-hmm. It's about this. The second story, which is the Scarlet Witch and Domino, mm-hmm. and it's one of the only times I've seen color art by Adam Warren, who does Empowered usually in nothing but black and white pencils. Oh. Um, so you, it's this sort of manga-styled, big-eyed artwork. Uh, it's filled with great humor. You, you know, Domino is, is kind of a snarky character, always is. You know, Wanda isn't, but sort of finds the rhythm of it. Mm-hmm. And they're both, they both have sort of probability powers. And there's a giant centennial, uh, a celestial rather, extermination drone about to explode the Yellowstone Park supervolcano. And they're the only people that can do anything about it because it works on the probability factor that the volcano could explode. So it's going to hang around there until it blows up and takes everyone on Earth mm-hmm. with it because they need to clear the Earth to do what they want to do. So Domino describes it, oh, it's their Roomba, right? Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot. <laughs> uh, they send her down into this, uh, into this device to go do something. There's lots of really cool back and forth. And it's just... Charming and funny and scary at some points. Um, just really, really well done. You don't see him do mainstream characters very much. Uh, and it is just, I, I do prefer the black and white. His pencils are amazing. I don't know if you have, you've seen Empowered. You've seen, I've seen oh, yes. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's just com- amazingly detailed. And here it's just much looser. He did the inks too. The colors are by Guru FX, whoever they yeah, are. Yeah, they do a lot. Uh, but they do a really nice job in the very sort of science fiction area. But I was just, it was on the shelf. I don't mm. know if anyone solicited this. That I mean, Adam Warren is, I, yeah. I guess, that big a deal. It was like, wow, I, mm. I will definitely buy that. Now, I'm sure this art will turn some people off because it is sort of Japanese. Mm-hmm. Now, he was very famous for doing Dirty Pear. He was doing the American version of that for years. But it's just some really, really cool stuff here and just very different for a Marvel book. I will say, though, I, even though I, I, I still like his pencils better, I do love this art, though I still can't stand the Scarlet Witch's new outfit. <laughs> um, is, did he write it as well? Oh, wrote, okay. wrote and drew and inked. Yeah. Just yeah. didn't color him. But then, mm-hmm. look, I actually liked an A plus X book. How did you know that he was even in it? Oh, you oh, recognize him? I just on the had cover? to see the art style. <laughs> I, saw the little, I saw that face, and it's just sort of, yeah, that's an Adam Warren face, I mm-hmm. guess. Cool. And it opened it up and went, oh, look, I was right. <laughs> so. That's it for me. That's it for you. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Stephanie, what do you got for us? Um, so I did a couple, you know, I read a lot this week, but I didn't read a lot of comics. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you may have heard that I was attempting to uh, pick up a copy of Rogue Touch and the She-Hulk Diaries. Mm-hmm. Those oh. sort of Harlequin-esque romance novels from Marvel. Yeah. Um. So I picked them up from the Silver Snail and decided to read them on my trip to Minnesota last week. Um, Obviously, Rogue is one of my favorite characters, so I tried to start with that one. Literally got two pages in before I was like, I'm done. This is, (laughs) I'm, I'm out. 
you've lost me. This is stupid. Like, seriously, she's going on about like how, you know, she thinks this guy might be like a rapist and all this stuff. She's like, he's watching me. It's late. It's weird. La la la. And she's like, you know, really legitimately concerned about her safety. And then she, oh, it's so, she's like, I've decided to call him El Creepo. And then she carries on and goes, I decided to call him El Creepo, even though I'd gotten close enough to see that he looked like a pretty sexy guy. Oh. Wow. So, you know, I mean, if you get raped by him, at least he's pretty sexy. Yeah. Cool. Good job, bro. Oh, man. Anyways, so Christine Woodward, you lost me at page two. Terrible. You, you had me at El Creepo. Yeah. Oh, so anyways, I put that down and was like, I really, I'm going to try a She-Hulk Diaries. I, I don't want to write off these novels and say that they're terrible without giving this a shot. Mm-hmm. So I opened She-Hulk Diaries and was so pleasantly surprised. Hmm. Wow. Uh, the writer is Marta Acosta. And I had a ton of fun with it. It was like a perfect summer read for me. Um, I don't really have any previous knowledge of She-Hulk, and I don't have any knowledge of Jennifer Walters, her, you know, civilian identity, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. sort of. Um, and you don't need any prior knowledge to the characters to jump into this book. There's stuff that's alluded to, and but it it just kind of is a fresh new take on the character, and it's silly. It's her writing out her diary, sort of like, Bridget Jones diary kind of thing mm-hmm. and trying to get her life together, try to make better life decisions, you know, get her career on track, but it's fun. And, you know, it's a bit silly at times and you're a bit like, Oh, all right, well, this is getting a bit borderline smutty, <laughs> but it's exactly what it should be. You know, it doesn't go too extreme into that. And it was enjoyable. I smiled and now I want to read more about Jennifer Walters and She-Hulk. Like, it was that fun for me. I mean, I don't know how it holds up to somebody who has knowledge of She-Hulk and Jennifer Walters. But for me, as someone without any, I enjoyed it so much. Um, so, I mean, I've spent the last little the week or so reading that for the most part and trying to kind of at least get one of these out here to talk about in a positive light. And I'm happy to say that if, you know, you've been curious about those books, between the two of them, avoid Rogue Touch. <laughs> She-Hulk Diaries, though, I seriously give two thumbs up for it. It's a great, fun summer read. Might See, not be for everybody, but read, like, the first couple of pages. And mm-hmm. if, you know, that's something that you think you can get through, you'll really enjoy it. Well, I was really interested in that one when they, it came out. And I did read a rather long excerpt, you know, Amazon had the mm-hmm. first like 12 pages um it was written in a very light style mm-hmm. you know and definitely captured her voice well the only thing that was was a little off-putting for me as someone who has read a lot of she-hulk is they're 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 sort of way back in her history where as with her cousin bruce mm-hmm. she doesn't remember what the she-hulk does Okay. Which is now ha- hasn't been written that way for many many years. Right. Yeah. She, she does actually in the book. She does remember. Yeah. Okay, because maybe maybe further on, but in the uh, samples they had, it didn't seem that way. Yeah, she does actually remember. They talk about how she's sort of a passenger, like she can see through her eyes, but she doesn't really have any control over what's happening. Um, like, sh- and she remembers, but 
you know, sometimes it's just she's just basically a backseat passenger to the whole thing. Okay. Uh, what was Roger Stern? He had her in the Avengers, and he decided after she was the savage She-Hulk, and then she became the sensational mm-hmm. She-Hulk when Byrne did it. You you have to read those, Steph. I, I definitely want to. Again, yeah, we'll those talk are, about those are hysterical. Know, but uh, Stern decided that the thing to do with her was she just enjoys being the She-Hulk, mm-hmm. and she'll stay that way twenty four seven and just have a blast with life, and even go into court green, but just wear a really big power suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they talk about that a little bit too. Really? Oh, that's awesome. Shenanigans that She Hulk gets into when she goes to like the court and, you know, the office. And I don't know. I just, I just found it a lot of fun. It was really genuinely written. And I felt like Marta Acosta wrote it as a fan of the character instead of someone who was just asked to, you know, write a book for Marvel. That's mm-hmm. great. I'm going to have to pick that up. I was hoping for a positive review from somebody. So um, I, I know a couple people who read it as well and really enjoyed it too. So, I mean, I think mm-hmm. if you like the character, you might enjoy it, Bob. Oh, thank you. Um, actually, in, in this vein, uh, Evan on Lump Knees on Twitter, he said, uh, Bob, I just ordered She-Hulk Diaries. Uh, recommendations for good She-Hulk stuff. You you want the burn? Uh, it's it's the first the last time they did it in trade. It's the first eight issues. It actually it's the first six plus a Marvel presents. He burn is the guy who took her to the next place. He put her in the Fantastic Four, and then went nutty with the character where mm-hmm. she breaks the fourth wall, sc- screams at burn up through the pages about stop doing this to me. Toad men really burn? Are you mm-hmm. kidding? Uh, they chop her head off. They cover her in green fur. <laughs> she gets a visit from Santa. They have old guest stars. They bring back the blonde phantom from the 1940s. Uh, and it, she, 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 her name is Louise. She wants back into comics because as long as you're on the comics page, you don't age. Mm-hmm. But while she's been off the page, she's gotten old and fat. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely want that. Dan Slott did a great run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think there are three trades of him as well. Those, those were done fairly recently within the last 10 years or so. Uh, Peter David did a nice run, a little more serious, but it's all, Peter does humor within the story instead mm-hmm. of doing jokes. Right, yeah, 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 of course. Dan definitely did jokes. Byrne did two runs, one early, left over editorial problems, mm-hmm. came back years later, and then they just joked they were going to renumber the book starting from where he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely, you want John Byrne She-Hulk. Yeah. All, all has to be said. She's also very good in FF. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Matt I is also doing just, a great job. Oh, Go ahead. I'm sorry. sorry, Steph. I should also just mention that um, the book actually mainly focuses on Jennifer Walters as opposed to She-Hulk. Mm, okay. um, you do get a lot of She-Hulk, but it's mainly focused on Jennifer Walters kind of controlling um, the green and uh, <laughs> kind of her career and getting her life back on track. But it's still really good. And I mean... Keep in mind that it is like a romance sort of novel, but it's not too overwhelming in that sense. Like it's not the absolute main focus. You know, you're not going to be completely bombarded with, you know, smut or anything like that. It's not Fifty Shades of Green, right? Exactly. It's the most green you've exactly. ever seen. It's just, it's just really fun. So, I mean, and she makes a lot of, she, Marta Acosta and, you know, Jennifer Walters as the character, they make fun of her love life and, they joke around with it a lot, and it doesn't take itself seriously, which is why I think it's enjoyable. So, yeah. That says She-Hulk to me right away. Is Wyatt Wingfoot involved? 
Not that I, I don't think so, <gasps> but. She falls for another man. I'm shocked. <laughs> Jen. <laughs> Say well, it ain't so. <laughs> you will have to read and find out. Okay. But um, I want to quickly talk about one more book too. Um, so I don't know if anyone has talked about this yet from the show, but I picked up uh, Grant Morrison and Sean Murphy's Joe the Barbarian. No. From nope, Vertigo. No. Um, so this was a limited series. I believe it was eight issues, six issues, six to eight issues. Seven. Seven. <laughs> well, whatever. Somewhere. And um, basically it follows the story of this boy and his mother. Um, and well, not really his mother. He he just kind of winds up in this alternate world that's in his bedroom. You know, he's sleeping and then he wakes up and he needs to have, um, is it hyperglycemic where you need glucose? Yes. <laughs> I, think, I think that's it. I, I think, think you're so. right. Yes, I think you're right. Maybe. Um, yeah. Anyways, he's suffering. He's forgotten to eat like candy or like a soda or something. And he starts hallucinating this world. And it winds up sort of going back and forth from him and his house to this wild adventure where he needs to save, you know, these people who are basically uh, made up of his toys. Oh, oh, cool. It's really neat because, you know, every now and again in the toy world, it's not called the toy world. I totally actually forget what it's called <laughs> right now. But anyways, um <laughs> It's a very unimaginative, unimaginative yeah. Grant Morrison book. It's way better than the than toy than world in bedroom I'm totally land. Totally just like paraphrasing and yeah. you know skipping over because I don't want to take up too much time. But um, every now and again in the toys, you know, you'll see like a bunch of soldiers or knights, and then in like the corner, there's Robin because it's Vertigo. So every oh, cool. now and again, and then you'll see Batman, mm -hmm. and then every now and again, there's Superman somewhere. Nice. Mm -hmm. And so like keep out, keep an eye out if you're going to read it for little Easter eggs like that. But it was a really neat story, and it's kind of in that sense. Um, I know Sucker Punch is a really love or hate movie. Love it. But love it's it. one of those books where, for the first little while, you're really confused as to whether it's actually happening, like this alternate mm -hmm. world, or if he's hallucinating it, or what's really going on. Sounds like I Kill Giants a little mm. bit. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a, what I thought initially, that it was um, a bit like that. Joe the Barbarian is actually on my bucket list of things that I've never read that want to read very badly. Yeah, I mean, he has, like, it's funny because he has this pet rat. Before I die. And his pet his... rat's best friend in the whole wide world. But his pet rat also shows up in, you know, this alternate world, too. And he's a giant knight. Mm. And, you know, it goes back and forth where he's talking to the rat because he can talk in the, when he's on the quest. And then it'll flash back to, you know, him in his house and he's just talking to a tiny rat. And you're just like, what is happening? It sounds like uh, the stuff of legend meets uh, like the secret of Nim or something like that. Yeah. Mm. And but, Willard. And yeah. Willard. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds awesome stuff. I totally yeah. now you I see people always told me to read it, but nobody ever actually told me what it was about. And now that I know I am going to go seek it out. Yeah, and I mean, the art's great. It's Sean Murphy, who's currently on The Wake and formerly of oh. Punk Rock Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, obviously, Grant Morrison, who's a bit hit and miss for me, but I really thought that this one was a hit. Awesome. So it's it's a great series. It won. It was nominated for a bunch of Eisners, I believe, for like limited series and such. Um, but I highly recommend you go check it out. It's from Vertigo. It's in trade paperback. Mm. And I think everyone can really enjoy it. Nice. B very cool. Awesome. Um Speaking of random, like, Easter eggs for characters, have you guys seen the Lego movie trailer? Yes. No. 
It, no. lo- it looks pretty funny. It does. Uh, Chris Pratt is the voice of uh, the the lead character. But, you know, it's all Legos and Batman and Wonder Woman and Superman and er- everybody are in it. Uh, Harry Potter, I believe, is in it as well because it's a Warner Brothers joint. Is that going to be straight to Blu-ray and DVD? No, that's a theatrical release. Seriously? Coming out next year, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. And the trailer is very, very funny. It looks like it has like a little bit of that... Uh, like robot chicken yeah. feel to oh, it a little I'm bit, there. Love robot you know. Chicken. So it's it, it it's definitely going to work for kids, but it definitely has a bit that adult feeling to it. Um, so yeah, that, it looks really cool. But there's a really funny beat with Batman at the end of the at the end of the trailer. Uh, but yeah, so Stephanie, what else did you have for us? Um, that's mostly it for now. I kind of took up a lot of time reading, you know, books. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to get a bit caught up while we had time off, and I love reading comics all the time. But you know, it was. I was away and flying, and it was just easier to kind of bring a book or something on the flight with me. And yeah, so those yeah. are the two main things I really. I, I read a couple other stuff things, but nothing really outstanding to really talk about. Well, I read. Uh, speaking of books, I read Heart Shaped Box. Oh, on the nice! Because Steve obviously read it and recommended it highly, and mm-hmm. it was pretty terrifying. I have to say, <laughs> it was a really scary uh, book. Uh, really, really good though. Um, I'm. Oh, I'm so excited. I I wish I had read that or Nosferatu or something. Joe Hill's going to be at Boston Comic-Con next week, and I am excited. Oh, cool. Nice. Awesome. And reading Joe Hill's novel, I, you, I can definitely see the correlation between him and his father a lot more in that writing than mm-hmm. in his comic book writing. Uh, very, there's some very similar things, but we, we talked a lot about hardship box before, but it, I agree with you, Steve. It was, it was awesome. Excellent. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, he talked about the other day on Twitter, how he considers himself to be more of a comic book writer yeah. than, you know, a novelist, but wow. I think he has like so many more novels than he has comics, but I think he's done more comic work as far as, uh, volume. I think he only has like four novels or something like that. Um, that's true. But I mean, they're pretty substantial novels. They it's are. Like and Nosferatu is huge. Yeah. yeah. It's like a thousand like, pages. Yeah. It's like one of his, one of his father's books. Door stops. Lengthwise. Yeah. Yeah. I can't wait to read I'm it. I'm totally going to have to bring Lock and Key with me next week. I love that. Well. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll be at Boston Comic Con. <laughs> um, speaking of Lock and Key, I guess I'm going now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go um, okay, so Bobby's a bit away, and when mm. Bobby's away, we will we will play, and we will go back, <laughs> and we will read things that we haven't necessarily had the time to read, because we're always catching up on, you know, the new releases and stuff. So I went back, and I read a couple things in mass from beginning to end. Uh, I read Lock and Key, which we were just talking about from uh, start to finish, and had the it was very fortunate I got to participate in a like a lock and key question and uh, question and answer wow. kind of thing. I'm not entirely sure mm-hmm. what it's going to amount to, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I believe it's for uh, Nicole, who works at the Silver Snow, where Stephanie gets her books. Cool. Yes, Steph. What? She's not listening. To me. <laughs> She's not listening. She already tuned out. Okay. Yeah. So uh i did that and i read the whole series over again it is incredible i cannot wait to see what they do with the films uh Mm. i hope that they're they measure up and that they get good people behind Mm. it and they adapt it well because it is a hell of an amazing story that Mm. has a lot of twists and turns and one of the one of the questions was you know what was the biggest surprise for you in the series and I, I had the hardest time answering it because it's every couple of pages something's going down or there's a mm. new one of them was like what's your favorite key 
And there's there's well over they're like in the teens the amount that there are there's a lot yeah I just started reading volume four yeah and every issue of volume four introduces uh, a like a new key right uh, that first issue is cool too because it's the Calvin and Hobbes yes uh, oh tribute issue oh uh, so cool yeah um, so I read that and that was that was wonderful uh, another thing that I've been reading. I got it all in one shot. I finally, finally, after all this time, after we've talked about it for two years, I got my hands on Why the Last Man from um, Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. and uh, Paya Aguera. It is just phenomenal. And one of, one of these, I think I described the last thing as phenomenal. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I really appreciate about it, and I appreciate reading it now is everybody's told me, oh, you got to read this. I can't believe you haven't read this. Mm-hmm. I have the opportunity to read it now for the first time with all of it collected. I got the, the big deluxe edition. So it's, you know, beautiful, hard pages of just gorgeous, colorful art and story. And if anybody's been reading Saga, they know how much Brian K. Vaughn is, is just how good he is at creating worlds. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what happens in Why the Last Man, where once the... The plot takes hold, which is essentially one day uh, everything that's living that has a Y chromosome in it, every male on the planet, whether it be animal or man, they all die all Mm -hmm. at the same time with the exception of this one guy named Yurik and his pet helper monkey named Ampersand. And it's essentially his, his mother is in the government and she deems that he go to this facility where they know a doctor where he could possibly be cloned and start, you know, repopulating the world, so on and so forth. And it's just, it's phenomenal, the amount of different factions of women, the different jobs that they've had to overtake in, in the absence of the men, and just the the difference in the way the world functions. And he really, really explores that. The book's really funny. It's very sexy at times. It gets very racy. And it's, I'm... It's just great. It's mm-hmm. great. It really pulls you in. If you can get your hands on it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. So I went back, and with all this Comic-Con news coming out and everything, everybody was talking about the Avengers. The Avengers, the Avengers. And I realized that I have not been reading either New Avengers or Avengers for a while since I reread it the second time. Mm-hmm. I decided to reread them again, and... I just uh, when we do, it's going to be very interesting when we do the our, our end of the year lists. Mm-hmm. It's going to be very hard for me not to put both of these. I'm going to have to choose between one or the other because I know that there'll be other contenders. But the reading Hickman's Avengers and New Avengers in a chunk, just in one sitting or two afternoons or whatever, is like I was surprised I didn't get nosebleeds. <laughs> the, it's so dense and it's so different from any other Avengers thing that I've ever read. The consequences of what's going on is so heavy. And if I don't know if anybody's not reading, I'll just give you a brief little synopsis of is what's that happening. Possible? Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, I have it all, but I'm way behind. I'm like, this is nothing. 12 issues behind or something. Like yeah. That. This is nothing spoilery. It's on, uh, Avengers, not new yeah. Avengers. I'm all caught yeah. up on new Avengers. Well, I mean, infinity is coming up yeah. and I want it to be caught up because I want to, yeah. I want to be able to talk about it and so on and so forth. And there, the whole thing with new Avengers is that splitting off of, of worlds that all of your consequences have, all your actions have consequences. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. And 
now worlds are beginning to collide and all these worlds keep on almost crashing into the 616 world and the Avengers keep finding new ways of keeping that from happening. They're getting tired, they're running out of supplies, they're running out of ideas. And now you have the Infinity event starting up and then you also have the rumors of the Ultimate Universe might be ending, Mm -hmm. so on and so forth. So as I was rereading all of this stuff... I'm not going to say what it was because I don't want to ruin anything for anybody that isn't caught up, but like something cracked in my head, something popped into my head that a theory that if I turn out to be right and this has been planned the entire time and Hickman was like in on the ground floor and he basically orchestrated this whole thing, it's going to be awesome. Mm-hmm. So mm. if you're going to be around for that whole change and you want to know what's up, you should definitely check out Avengers and new Avengers. But my last book that I want to talk about that uh, I read this past week, which was absolutely just awesome, was Gail Simone's Red Sonia. was finally, finally released after all this time. I've never read a Conan book, never read a Red Sonia book. I'm not familiar with her world, her anything. Mm-hmm. I, I'd assume that it would be you know Game of Thrones-ish kind of stuff with barbarians and whatnot. And that's exactly what it is, mm-hmm. but... It's got a lot more personality in it than I was expecting. I, I assumed that Red Sonia might be kind of like Conan and that she's very serious and she's very, you know, hack and slash, um, you know, save the burning village, blah, blah, blah. She is about that stuff, but there's so much more, like, Gail Simone has added a level of snarkness to her that comes mm-hmm. across in these pages that makes her character not only like a complete and total badass, but she's hilarious as well. I mm-hmm. might get blood on my horse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> she's, just, she's very funny. And I don't know. I, yeah. People have told me that she's always been kind of a little snarky. She's always been kind of, you know, mouthy to people. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mm-hmm. know, but I wasn't sure if it was just Gail Simone and that's the way she writes mm-hmm. and that's the way she's chosen to write the character. But apparently this is something that she's known for. And if that's the case, I think that Gail knocked it out of the park. Mm. It was a really just a, a joy to read, and I'm totally pulled into it. Mm. Sonia always had attitude. Yeah, look, Conan had a different attitude in the Robert E. Howard books than he did in the movies, because mm. you were just limited to what? Arnold's a real nice fella? <laughs> Facility with dialogue, not so hot. Yeah. Right. So he was just sword guy. Mm-hmm. Sonia would have something to say when she lopped someone's head off. Yeah. And that's what you're getting here. I, look, Gail is definitely adding to it. Well, it's really cool because one of, the, one of the things about the story is that she doesn't really align herself with anyone, but there's this little village or little city, and their king is someone that she owes, like, she owes a blood mm-hmm. oath to mm-hmm. this king. Yeah, she's paying off a debt. Yeah, and it's it's the one person that she would actually do this for, so that immediately tells you that there's, like, a rich history between the characters or something mm-hmm. happened that we don't know about yet. And in with the comedy and the action and the blood and, and just mm-hmm. how rich it was, and there's still all that mystery to come, it's just a really great first issue. Yeah, after reading a lot of her other stuff, uh, it's interesting. Cause it doesn't feel like that other stuff. It's it's mm-hmm. it's much uh, it's pulpier, I guess, than I expected it to be. You know, it, it it's is sillier than I expected it to be. Um, uh, you know, I, I I definitely liked it. 
uh, Sonia is not a character like as Steve was saying as well. Is not a character that I'm very I'm not connected with at all. Uh, so I, I liked it, uh, but the, the first issue I think because it went so quickly from we saw this guy do this like let her go at the beginning, and it comes back so quickly like two pages later. Uh, it it felt like that scene only existed just for the scene that happened two things later, and uh, it, it almost felt unnecessary to me, you know. I, uh, as far as like seeing it before, if we just started with her, you know, in with those br- brigands trying to trying to rob her, and then this person came up and was like, you know, this person wants you. She's like, oh, I I owe this person. I'll go. I, I, I think that's a more interesting place to start the story, which is funny because I had a similar issue, actually. Uh, I, I watched uh, the new Evil Dead movie. Oh, on I just Sunday. watched that, too. I know. It was really funny because Karen and I watched it, my girlfriend, on Sunday night, and we're looking on Twitter afterwards, and you were watching it the exact same time we were. Awesome. Oh. Um, but there's a scene at the beginning of that movie where they show like the last time something bad happened in this short scene. Yeah. And to me, it was the same thing. It was like, this doesn't need to be here. It's more interesting for it to start to develop on its own and, and the mystery be there, you know? So uh, that was my only issue with it. Uh, uh, but I think it's also being knowing Gail's work and it, it surprised me how different it was. And I guess I was looking for something a little bit more grounded. And so I, I kind of think I have to read it again with the adjusted expectations of kind of what it is instead of what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, I, I think it's well written. I think it's interesting, too, that, you know, it's a lot of talk about, uh, you know, depictions of female characters. She's just as scantily clad as she ever ever was, and I, I, I think that's cool because I think that's who the character is, and so I thought that was cool that they did it. It's kind of like... Uh, you know Sheena from the in that Savage Wolverine storyline. Well, the thing is, they don't ever portray her. She is wearing the chainmail, though she yeah. does have some other things on. Yeah, you don't get the shots of. Oh, yeah. here's a gratuitous shot of her chainmail bra. Yeah, yeah. It's it's you know Sonya doing Sonya things, and yeah. if that happens to be well, I want to show her with a sword. Walter Giovanni shows you that. But yeah, does it does not leer over what she looks like. Yeah. And her her boobs are normal sized. Yeah, they're not melons. It, they're yeah. bigger than her head. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Red Sonia, her boobs aren't bigger than her head. Talking <laughs> comics. <laughs> if that gets a, gets me on a trade paperback, well, uh, that's I'll live with that. Um, cool, cool. So, uh, Steve, do you have anything else? No, I'm good. You're good. Yep. All right. So a lot, a lot of books, real quick. Uh, on on the Snyder front, uh, Batman Zero Year uh, number two, which is number twenty two, uh, loved again. I love the interaction uh, with Nigma, who's not quite the Riddler yet, but soon will be. Loved that stuff. Uh, also love Superman Unchained number two. I again, my favorite stuff about it is, you know, he the beginning of the book. He goes into this moment where a building's falling down, and he goes through, you know, twenty different scenarios in his head in a span of. You know, basically, I think it's like 13 minutes he has basically to to save this. And, you know, he goes through several circumstances where he's like, I could do this, but if I do this, it's going to kill X amount of people. So I can't do that. And so he and he's also contending with with this kind of giant robotic, like out of control robot that he that he has to deal with. And he's and he handles that and the situation and he 
kind of resolve himself to do something he doesn't really want to do, but you know, it's he's got like eight seconds left, so he's got to make a choice right. and all that stuff. I, I thought it was really cool, really funny, really not funny, really fun thing happens at the end with Lex Luthor uh, that I'm excited to see where that goes. So both of those uh, I found really interesting. Um, the the really big thing that's happening right now at DC though, obviously, is uh, is Trinity War uh, has begun, uh, and uh, I actually read. Uh, Pandora, Justice League 22, and uh, GLA number six. Uh, and it, it reminds me a lot, actually, and uh, it's a totally different kind of story, but in tone reminds me a lot of the Flashpoint series that kind of kicked off the new 52 uh, initially. And it, I mean, it's Jeff Johns, obviously, so there, there's a reason for that. But uh, it starts off basically uh, Superman... Uh, doing something that makes the Justice League question Superman and Superman question himself. And so that's kind of the impetus for this whole thing to start. Uh, Madame Xanadu has a has a vision of the future and she's trying to put together all these things and Pandora is kind of right at the center of what, what happens to Superman. Uh, the, the best thing about it to me, though, is the kind of uh, spine of this story is the question uh, the character of the question, not, yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> you know, just a, a vague right. question, um, which is very, very cool. And he, he, he is trying to figure out and, and trying to kind of solve the situation, especially cause one of, he's part of this Trinity of sin that just they developed. Say he was part of the it's, yeah. it's phantom stranger yeah. and Pandora. And Pandora. Right? So he, he knows that she is kind of behind what's happening. And so he's kind of the antithesis force to what she's trying to do because he realizes that, uh, you know, uh, what she's doing is is not going to work out. Um, so far, it's been very cool. You know, I like that it's contained within Justice League books. I actually liked Trinity of Sin Pandora more than I really expected to. So did I. I read it, it the other day. You didn't? Yeah. It, it's a cool story. You know, it's, a, it's very much a... It feels almost like a zero issue in a lot of ways because it's catching you up on all of this history of the character. Uh, but it, it spans a lot of time... And does some cool stuff with her and the way she weaves in and out of, uh, like, uh, of society and, and what's going on. Um, uh, so I, I, I'm liking it so far. Much like, I don't like it, I think, not like it as much as Throne of Atlantis so far, being the last Justice League crossover. But I do think, it, I do enjoy it very much. And we got the Justice League Dark coming in now at the end. Uh, some cool stuff with what Pandora's box actually is. And... You know, uh, Wonder Woman is very much a part of that, obviously, because it's it's from mythology. But her being kind of, she has this thing where she's like, it's not what you think it is. Like, it's this is not. She's kind of investigating what Pandora's box is, and she's going to talk to, uh, you know, her the 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 kind of uh, Olympus, the gods of Olympus, to figure out what it is. And the answers she gets aren't the answers she's looking for. So, cool stuff with her. Very neat stuff with the the relationship between Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. John's is doing a very good job of developing that, as well as handling the, a lot of the new characters that he's introduced in JLA. So, uh, I think it's pretty cool. Steve, have you read anything other than Pandora? Pandora is the only one I read. Okay. I was really surprised by how much I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I sat down. I I ended up did not picking it up the week it was released. I heard decent things and then went back. I think actually I read the review mm-hmm. uh, on our site and I decided to pick it up and I sat down and. 
I was kind of like, eh, mm. and really was quite surprised by it. Yeah. So um, it's just, it's it's funny how, of all the stuff that I did read, I skipped a lot of the bigger books, mm-hmm. just it's just the way it happened. Yeah. So, but I'll be catching up with that uh, this week. Uh, and it's kind of all kicked off by the fact that we talked, I talked last week, last month about the Shazam Justice League book, and he is kind of the kickoff for a lot of this stuff because... He goes to Kondok, which is Black Adam's home mm-hmm. country, to do the right thing. He's trying to be—he's uh, trying to be like a stand-up guy, and it's a big war zone. And uh, and there was issues with because Superman and Wonder Woman went in there a, a few issues ago to to solve something, and it was bringing heat down in the U.S. And they're like, you know, you have to realize that you represent more than just yourselves. And so when Shazam enters, it, that's what impetus the Justice League of America to come there to head off the Justice League to stop an international incident and that's kind of how they all meet together. We get some fun fisticuffs between Shazam and Superman. Um, as so, they will. As yeah. they will. So, uh, cool. Very cool book. Uh, excited to see where it goes. It's funny. Uh, Someone mentioned to me that it's interesting that uh, th- we have sort of a flip. We have the DC Heroes event is them fighting each other. Yeah. And Marvel is all alternate worlds and weird universes crashing into each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay. It's funny because I think that what really what I think this is is it's going to open the door and I think Jeff Johns talked about this. Them kind of we they're weakening each other, the heroes, which is going to kind of lead into the forever evil thing. The, the If the heroes aren't united, then it's a big step the the villains realize if they unite, then they can have the mm-hmm. upper hand finally. So that that that's kind of what they're setting up in, in these Justice League books. Um, uh, Quantum and Woody number one. I finally read uh, a, a Valiant book. Uh, I thought it was it, it had a ton of personality. It was a ton of fun. It was kind of exactly what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before I read it, a totally new universe. So at first it was tough for me to get into it a little bit because. I'm just kind of breaking in, and there's not that. Okay, this is Spider-Man, so I'll just that help that pull me through right. the narrative, you know. But uh, read through, and you know, it's got a, it had all the things I wanted it to have. Uh, you know, it's got kind of like the it's got it's a buddy cop thing. It's got like the the roguish uh, loser guy who kind of doesn't really care and is you know always messing up, and then the very kind of strict um, military guy as well and, and they're they're uh they're playing off each other was really was really fun to read and there's also some cool sci-fi stuff later in there uh their origin is a little bit almost like uh humorous dr manhattan type of origin mm-hmm. to it see did you read it yeah i did what'd you think that was great mm-hmm. it was great uh the only other valiant book that i've read was harbinger mm-hmm. which i really really enjoyed the first arc and then i kind of fell off of it after that but no, Quantum and Woody, like you said, it was exactly what I wanted it to be when I picked it up. Mm. I was actually very excited for this. I though I was diffic- I was a little disappointed that the goat has not made its appearance yeah, yet. It's not made appearance <laughs> He's on the yet. cover. I, I, know. I was oh, very terrible. much looking forward to see some uh, goat antics yeah. going on. So hopefully that's on the way. But yeah, no, I'm definitely going to be picking up issue number two. And I hope that it continues to be as funny as the first issue. It's yeah. Pretty awesome. Yeah. It, it was really good. And I really liked the art. Uh, Tom Fowler. Yeah. It was a cool art. It was a good. It was a good light read. You know, yeah. you just want to pick something up and you want to laugh for a couple of minutes instead of being bogged down by all these events and heavy-handed things going on in comics. Yeah. Uh, which, speaking of which, um, uh, a couple image number ones as well. Uh, Sheltered 
number one, uh, Eddie Brisson like and uh, Johnny Christmas, which is a great name. Yeah. It's an awesome name. Uh, Johnny Christmas. It's cool because it's the story of, you know, apocalypse preppers, people who, you know, now mm. who prepare for the eventual, you know, nuclear holocaust or they all argue well, about what, yeah, yeah. what it's going to be, but they're preparing. They have, they have shelters. They have bug out bags. They use ham radios. They live in walled off compounds. Uh, and it's a story about one of those organ- one of those communities that has a kind of a group that disagrees with the group in charge, and they are uh, kind of revolting against uh, that group. It was cool because you know it has all the the looks and the trappings of a post apocalyptic book, but it's cool because it's not a post apocalyptic book. It's taking place in a normal society, just in a not uh, mainstream group of people. And I think they'll be able to use the fact that they're in this kind of modern, you know, stable world as some differences in, in, in what happens. Uh, it, it has a little bit of, even though it's not supernatural at all, it gives a sense a little bit of that revival feel because it's a very sheltered, uh, small mm-hmm. community that has quirks to it. Uh, but I, I thought it was really, really good. And I actually, uh, Ed Brisson did that, uh, that book comeback, uh, which was kind of like a time travel, like looper sort of, a uh, sort of book, which I did not really like. So I was iffy on, on picking this up and, and reading it, but I'm glad I did. Cause I, I did really, really enjoy it. See, I think you reviewed it. On I the did. Site, right. Yeah. When, what did you think of it? I really dug it. I liked the, the twist at the end is really what did it for me. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, um, it was run in the mill a little bit for the mm. first couple pages, but it really ended up pulling me in by the end. I like, I'm curious as to how it's going to play out. I like books that create a mystery within a mystery. Like why is this, we know why the, this is going on because of the paranoia or just the wanting to be ready from these people, but where are they living mm. that they're even able to do this? And they alluded to being, um, like the government can't touch the land or they don't even know that it, it exists. And with the events that go on in the book, I'm curious as to how long something like that can go unnoticed. Right. Yeah. You know, it's just a, it's a really, really big move for the people involved. And mm. I don't understand how the story is going to continue very much beyond if if somebody gets wind of what's going on in that in that place mm-hmm. so for that reason and it was it was very well written lots of intrigue um the switcheroo at the end was nice and it's a good it's a good number one it, it's definitely i want to know what the hell happens because mm-hmm. i can't even imagine that going on i'm yeah. trying to be really vague because yeah, i don't want to yeah, give yeah. it no you don't away. want to give it away no it, it's and he does set up you know he, he puts pieces in interesting places you know he has these two characters that you're kind of following most of the the first issue who are are away from this major thing that happens so they don't even know it's happened so you're going to it's going to be interesting when they come back into the picture right. and you're dealing with with, with that, that fallout um if anybody's interested I actually put this into the review if you like sheltered if you like the first issue or maybe even the second issue by the time you hear this um check out a movie called Dear Wendy it's an a independent film that came out several years ago really reminded me of the whole situation that's going on in this book. And if you do happen to check it out, contact me and we'll talk about it and I'll 
go into it more elaborately. Mm. I don't want to ruin anything. Very cool. Very cool movie, though. Um, the other image, number one, was Ghosted, number one, which is uh, is Joshua Williamson and Goran Sadzuka is the artist. Uh, the, the simple pitch for this is that it's Ocean's Eleven in a Haunted House. Is it, That's the story of it. Uh, I was going to say, the cover looks very retro. It is. It, it is very retro, and the art itself is like the same. It's it's has a very retro yeah, it's look. early 70s kind of Charlton look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with with an awesome awesome last page, Ooh. but it uh, it, you know, this guy is a, a, a con. He 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 steals things and he gets basically propositioned in prison. You can get out, uh, and if you do this job, basically, and so he has to go to this house and he puts together a team and he's going to this house to to get this ghost, and they have no idea how they're going to steal the ghost. That's part of kind of the deal of the book. They're like, well, we'll just get, we'll figure it out when we get there. But he gets together these a bunch of paranormal, you know, experts as far as like occult uh artifacts and all this other stuff. The team seems interesting, which is the most important thing really in a story like this. I mean, the end of the book is them getting to the house, so we don't really know what that's going to be like yet. Uh but it's just a really fun premise and I'm excited to see I love those con men type stories, so I'm excited to see where that goes. Are you going to pick up the second issue? Yeah, definitely. All right, because yeah, because I didn't grab it. I was I was waiting yeah. to hear word on it. It it was really really cool. I I, I uh, you know, it's tough since I with with the with the so many. I feel like a lot of uh, indie number ones have been coming out in, in the last couple of months, and. More than that, I had three weeks of books waiting for me when I came home, so I read through a giant stack of books, and this one really stood out to me in in that pile, so definitely I I think it's a book to to be checked out. Uh, And then finally, this is actually three weeks ago. I loved that book. This book stood out more than anything to me, which is The Superior Foes of Spider-Man, number one, by Mm -hmm. Nick Spencer and art by Steve Lieber. Plain and simply, a hilarious book. Like, just really, really funny. A in a, in a lot of ways, kind of a companion uh, to Hawkeye. In some ways, like the villain companion to Hawkeye, because mm-hmm. it's the the main character who is Boomerang. He's a very, you know, he's he's down on his luck. He's always doing stuff wrong. He's got a lot of problems. You know, his friends are a little untrustworthy. <laughs> Um, but the way they set up the situations and Nick Spencer has a real, has, uh, is having a blast kind of playing with the fact that these are bad guys. They're bad guys. So they do shitty stuff to people like rob a pet store and steal somebody's (laughs) dog, you know, they're bad, bad guys on top of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. You know, they're super villains, but yeah, they're bad, bad guys. They're horrible at being bad guys. Um, and they're horrible at life. They, they don't. (laughs) <laughs> and it's it's really cool to get inside this kind of m- very mid-level Spider-Man foe who you wonder when you're reading Spider-Man, why does this guy keep doing this thing over and over again if he keeps getting busted? And this is all about why they keep doing these things over and over again. And to get inside his head, be like, next time it's going to be different. Next time I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to do this. Uh, was just a blast. It, it, the whole book was a blast. The art was really awesome. I just had a great time with it. Steve, you were saying you loved it? Yeah, I was tweeting up a storm mm. while and then taking photos from it and, and and posting them on the on the internet and everything. Mm. It was 
it was we talked earlier about you know it's a book that you wanted to be i didn't know what that book was going to be mm-hmm. and that's exactly what i wanted to be yeah is what it turned out uh you know i mm. i laughed my ass off and it was really meaty in, yeah. in a sense of that it was there was a lot of comic there mm. for what you paid for you know i remember a couple of weeks ago we were talking about lazarus number one from greg rucka that i i liked it but at the same time there was a lot of art pages and you know a fight scene that took up a good four or six pages worth of art with not a whole lot of dialogue, you know, for one book. But this was all like bits, funny jokes, mm-hmm. and really, really getting into these characters that until this book came out, you never gave a crap about Boomerang. Yeah. You know, and you or find you find yeah, yeah, and you find out that the way that Spencer's writing these characters is that they're hilarious. So yeah. now I do want to know them. Yeah. And I'm really, I, I have my eye on this one because I, I really enjoyed it. If we had podcasted that week, that would have been my book of the week. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It, it, it doesn't quite have the, um, the, the panache of style that Hawkeye does. You know, I don't want people to go in and think they're going to get like these insane panel layouts and th- this, this kind of really, really out of the box plotting and, and and decision making, but uh, it, for the sense of fun and the fidelity of character, yeah, I, I think it matches up very well. To it's that got book. some of the the Hawkeye cleverness to it. Yes, it definitely does. Uh, you know, it uses things like the guy gives the finger, and it has like the comics code uh, yeah. seal over it and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and just a, a lot of colorful characters. They're very, very colorful characters, and because we don't know them very well, it makes them so much more interesting to to go on this journey with because I don't know what they're going to do, especially because they're bad guys. And I usually don't dig villain books very much, you know, and I I mean when it's villains being villains, not when it's like Thunderbolts where it's villains trying to be good or made to be good. Uh, And this book is just villains being villains. Uh, But the way that he frames it really works. So I was really happy about that. And I guess we're probably another one either this week or next week because it's been so long since it came out. But uh, yeah, so Superior Foes of Spider-Man number one is my book of the week. Yeah. Or my book of the of the month, I guess, yeah. of the three weeks. Uh, all right, so that is it for our books uh, for this week. We're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to talk San Diego Comic-Con. are back and uh of course this week was san diego comic-con lots of big news coming out of that let's we got a lot of movie news we got some comic book news um let's catch up really quickly before we get like the san diego comic-con stuff let's catch up on some of the announcements that we missed before we were back um it was actually an april fool's joke now it's a reality matt fraction is writing an inhumans book called inhumanity um, it's going to feature a lot of Inhumans. It's a very big cast. Um, for a long time, people have been talking about the fact that Marvel kind of wants to develop a book for themselves that they own all the rights to that kind of be like the next kind of X-Men type 
book that they can eventually spin off into movies and stuff and they own it. Uh, so this book has seemed like a long time coming. Matt Fraction is obviously dealing in, in this corner of the universe very much with Fantastic Four and with FF. Uh, Bob, as our resident FF man and uh, big Matt Fraction fan, what do you think of this announcement? Thrilled, just absolutely thrilled. He's handled the characters so well in FF right now, Medusa mm. and, and the kids and mm. Black Bolt and, and so on and so forth. There isn't anybody better right now because you want there to be a little sense of fun to this. These are some, I don't know how much of the Inhumans, the really old Inhumans you guys have seen, some of them are extremely screwball. Mm-hmm. They have really weird mutations and powers, and it's you know it would be tough to take Karnak seriously because he can you know karate down a building. <laughs> so it's got to have a certain thing to infractions perfect for blending the two together. The, the the I don't do we know the artist yet? Do we have any? I don't think so. I mean, Steve McNiven did th- like a uh, like a preview image for it, okay. but I don't I don't think that it, I don't know if he is going to be the regular artist okay. on the book. He'd or not. be great. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a great visual thing. The Adelon is just a gorgeous looking sort of flash Gordony Shangri La mm-hmm. city. Uh, lovely history, wonderful things you can do with this. It's outer space, it's mythology, and it's superheroes. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. And the only problem is, you know, how do you? Ah, I, sh- I say it's not a problem. Look, they're doing Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can do that. You can do talking trees. You can do mm-hmm. you know Lockjaw the teleporting dog. It works. <laughs> Um, so, uh, what Matt Fraction says, our focus, Oh, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say too, I think that the art is Joe Madeira. Oh, you're absolutely Ooh. right. It's Joe Maguera. You're absolutely Maguera. right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's very cool. Joe, that, that very different style too. He's recently, he's doing Savage Wolverine right mm-hmm. now with Zeb Wells. Oh, uh, Ooh. he's ours now. He did the first arc of Avenging Spider-Man. As as well, okay. back you know yeah. two years ago or whatever it was, uh, that's a really cool choice. Uh, kind of follows along. I mean, not so, I mean not so much with uh, uh, Bagley because Bagley is a very traditional artist, but Fraction seems to like to work with these more kind of uh, uh, oddball, very yeah. specific styled artists uh, like Aja and All Red and now Majuera. And apparently, there's like they've released the plot of it now too. Oh, really? Um, yes. So it's. Inhumanity is the name of the crossover as Terrigen mists spread across the world, triggering millions of dormant inhumans and basically, basically giving us a the giving us back the pre no more mutants Marvel universe, but with the inhumans instead. Wow, interesting, very interesting. And editor, well, Axel or wait, Alonso isn't it Axel Alonso? It's yeah. Axel Alonso, yeah. Okay, somebody just put something wrong then and he said it, it's going to be comparative to like game of thrones yeah that's that's a lot of what what they've talked about they mentioned game mm. of thrones a lot in in the way that the story is going to be laid out um yeah, fraction said it becomes a superhero story and a mythical story all revolving around turning the world into a world full of superheroes uh it gives us it's giving us a chance to get back to classic marvel metaphor of alienation we're telling science fiction stories but really it's about race gender sexual equality and it's a very relevant, pertinent metaphor. Um, you, uh, uh, you see who lives, who dies, who's left, and how they begin to try and rebuild. Once the city falls, all kinds of bigger things start happening. Hmm. So there we go. Steve, what do you think? That sounds fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now? Can I have it now? Yeah. Please? Uh, it does seem to lend credence to the fact that also this this kind of new sort of X-Men-ish take on, on those characters. W- w- you said, Stephanie, 
with you know the the pre no more mutants thing coming back mm-hmm. uh, and this idea of bringing back the, the this this idea of the outsider and the metaphor of um you know those the the, the oppressed and all that stuff that x men has very much stood for for a very long time so it's cool to see them expanding especially this what would be niche group of characters into a much bigger role. I'm so glad universe. that the the April Fool's joke that I fell for yeah, is actually for turning out to be a reality. Yeah. So ha. <laughs> I also fell for it. Um, Maybe it was that reaction that made him do it. Look, everyone likes this idea. Maybe we should really do it. Yeah. It's a great idea. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, are you excited about it? I know you filled this in on some details, but are you excited yes. about a book like this? Cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been collecting uh, old and humans comics to read and I've been really enjoying them. And, I mean, this this group of characters are characters that I've wanted to explore more for a while. Mm-hmm. So, hell yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the another a, a, a trio of announcements by Marvel is they're bringing back uh, the Marvel Knights uh, line oh, of that. books yep. uh, with with three titles. One is Spider Man by Matt Kent and Marco Rudy uh, yeah. on art. Uh, the other is a Hulk book by Joe Keating and Peter Kolaski. And the third is an X-Men book by Brom Revel, who is the, uh, I guess, the writer and artist on a book called Gorillas, which is a, an, an indie title. Um, so uh, the X-Men book is apparently a, a, a kind of noir mystery title, and we don't know much about the Spider-Man or the Hulk book. Um, uh, St- Steve, what do you think about uh, this sort of, second line of Marvel books uh, with these different creators and kind of their own continuity. It's all exciting. It's really, it's good stuff. I'm glad to, I'm glad to hear that there was some, some comic news. I mean, it's not, was this before Comic-Con? It was before Comic-Con, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Uh, No, it's good. I mean, I guess it's about time, Mm -hmm. right? That they start moving into the second phase and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And it seems like they're getting a lot of the uh, creators that seemed like they kind of started out the year a little slow and then they had some really great books and now they're kind of becoming not household names but people that are really into comics are kind of tossing their names around especially the Matt Kinn stuff yeah uh, super super excited about that mm-hmm. and uh, yeah no you know awesome mm-hmm Bob, what do you well, think? We were talking, and maybe they're listening to us too. Uh, <laughs> you know, the whole where's the Marvel's vertigo? Yeah, where they're doing the indie sort of books. Mm-hmm. We hear they're letting them mm-hmm. spread their wings a little bit. Sounds yeah. a great idea. Yeah, Stephanie, what about you? I think it sounds like they'll be fun. Um, I mean, some of these books and characters aren't characters that I religiously follow on a month-to-month basis. Basis, basis. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of have a shorter kind of one-off series that I can read and get a sense of, you know, the characters for when I want to kind of explore them, but mm-hmm. not necessarily commit my wallet to for, you know, a really long-term basis. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, I think it's it, it's cool. I think it's, obviously, I think it was like 1998 when the first time Marvel Knights showed up in it, and that was really kind of a rebranding of of their entire line. It, mm-hmm. that, that was main continuity stuff. Uh, I like that they're using that name that I think has some cachet where a lot of great books came out of uh, of that movement. Uh, I think it's great that they're spinning it off into, you know, basically, I, you know, I think it goes alongside with kind of their Max line of mm-hmm. books as far as mm-hmm. taking things a little bit farther and being willing to take big chances because they don't, they're not tied down by continuity. Uh, I, I, I like the teams on the Hulk and the Spider-Man book. I don't know... 
uh, the creator on the X-Men book, but the the response I've seen on the internet from people in the know gets me very excited because it seems like somebody people are very, very excited that who is writing and drawing an X-Men book. So I would be, like Stephanie said, it's cool that it's outside, you know, of the continuity because another Spider-Man book, another X-Men book, even another Hulk book is not something I'm looking to pick up kind of in the regular universe. Mm-hmm. But the fact that this is outside and I don't know what's going to happen uh, that gets me excited to, to check them out. Right. And do they get someone who is buying what Matt Kim is doing, mind management? Mind yeah. management. Right. Yeah. Does awesome. someone then see his name on that book or read it in the preview and say, oh, well, you know, I really like his work. I'll try a superhero book by him and then finds himself drawn to real yeah. continuity too. He's yeah. uh, very well might be taking over Suicide Squad as well. Yeah. There's... I know he's writing the the one issue. I think 24 is Alaskot's last issue. Mm-hmm. So 25, Matt Kim takes over for Villains Month. And uh, then from there, we'll see. Yeah, that kind of happened when we were, I guess, away as well. Aleshkot leaving yeah, Suicide Squad. I was, uh, I was really disappointed by that. After a few issues. And also, Justin Jordan is not on Superboy anymore. He's also off that book. So yep. uh, continuing creator kind of shake up over at DC. We don't we don't know why. We haven't heard anything about those, those stories. Uh, neither writer has said anything, so... Yeah, there was nothing. Yeah, I don't want to speculate at all. Just kind of the announcements came, and now it, you know, it, we move on. Um, speaking of books announced, and this was at Comic-Con, uh, and we're talking about X-Men and the Marvel Knights, um, uh, out of Battle of the Atom, which is coming in, in the fall, uh, and replacing Astonishing X-Men, uh, when it ends is going to be Amazing X-Men, which will, which will be written by Jason Aaron, um, and, uh, art by Ed McGuinness, who is recently just doing Nova, uh, and it will feature a team of... Mm-hmm. Wolverine, Beast, Storm, Iceman, North Star, and X-Men newcomer Firestar. Uh, and they'll be facing off against uh, Azazel, and the whole story will be the search and the return of Kurt Wagner's uh, Nightcrawler to the Marvel Universe, who has been dead for a, a, a few years. Um, now, Steve, uh, yep. you're a big Jason Aaron fan. You I love, do, I you do love do Thor, like God of Thunder. Thor's awesome. Uh, Wolverine the X-Men is very good. Mm-hmm. Um but this is another X-Men book. Yeah. Are you excited about it because you like the uh, like the the writer or is it just a book that you think you'll not be picking up because it's another X-Men book? No, I I know that I'll be picking it up. Um <laughs> I am I'm a little I'm I'm more disappointed in the idea of Astonishing X-Men uh taking a dive. I've been really really enjoying that uh pretty much since the the big Marvel wedding was when I jumped on to that. Mm-hmm. I think it was issue number 51. Mm-hmm. And I love the artists that they've had on the books. It's been, I think, the same, like, three people each time. I can't, I'm very hungry. I can't remember their names. <laughs> but um, I, I've i really been enjoying it. I'm glad to know that if I do, if, if it is going away, which it is, that it's being replaced by another writer that I do very much enjoy. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I, I'm I'm not too keen on having yet another X title mm-hmm. to to add to the pile, and I don't the the team isn't different enough. Mm-hmm. Like I've I these people are featured in you know these mutants and such are featured in other books that I'm reading sometimes four and five times over, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know what the hell I don't I don't know anything I've never read anything with Nightcrawler in it whatsoever. He's not he's somebody that. When I talk to comic people and such, everybody really freaks out. I know a, uh, X2, 
his scene in the beginning, mm. which is awesome. Yeah. But people lose their shit yeah. <laughs> over that scene and that character and how cool he is. And I just never, I never got it. Mm-hmm. I never understood why he was so cool or so special. I mean, my most cherished memory with him is playing with him in the X Men arcade game because <laughs> he had the coolest special where he, you know, whooshed yeah. all over the room and annihilated everyone. But I do really enjoy Jason Aaron, and I know that he's continuing Wolverine in the X Men. Uh, if it's in any way relation to the type of humor and the bizarre nature that comes with reading Wolverine and the X Men, at least in parts, I think it could be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. But um, it's one of those read it and and hope that it really grabs me kind of situations. I'm a little leery on it. Right, Stephanie. What about you? Um, I think we know about how I feel in regards to 5,000 freaking X-Men titles. I mean, you're canceling one and then replacing it with the other. Have you never heard of just transitioning the characters? Oh, hey, these characters out, these characters in, new writer, bam. We don't need to change things. Bam! Bam, but you need a number one. They wanted to sell, though. So they got to take it from, you know, 60, whatever it's at now, to zero, to one. I mean, that's the reason why. I, I get it, yeah. but, like, come on. Come up with a new team name. Come up with a new book name. Come on, guys. <laughs> you are killing me here. <laughs> You're killing me, Buster. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, I, again, like, I'm not psyched about another X-Men book. I'm already buying a large section of, of the X-Men books. I'm already buying three titles. Uh, and I the thing about the doesn't bother me, but the thing about it I think is a little bit bizarre is that the story that they lay out and the idea and the team, it doesn't feel to me like that couldn't be a storyline in another X-Men book. Yeah, like Astonishing. Like might, Astonishing. Might but be. I mean, but here's yeah. the thing. I don't, yeah. I, I don't, it doesn't, if they're going to end Astonishing, that's fine. Yeah. They're replacing with another X-Men book. It's an X-Men book I already don't buy, you know, so it doesn't matter. This seems to me like a pretty, uh, you know, the cool thing about like X-Men Legacy and Astonishing X-Men and stuff like that. And even to an extent now, Wolverine the X-Men, though they might be changing now that it's kind of going to be part of this Battle of the Atom thing, is that in the last couple of months, and for, for some something like Astonishing, for pretty much its entire run since it kind of stopped being the focus of the X-Men universe, uh, they they carve out their own niche in that, in, in that world. And they tell stories that don't really belong in the main, you know, yeah. in, the, in the Bendis, Wood, like, main area of what we're doing. Um, but the thing about the storyline is, this feels to me if you're, you're if you're bringing back one of the, the the most famous and one of the most central X Men characters, that feels to me like a central storyline. So to then tell you, okay, you've been reading this central storyline here, but now there's other central storyline going over here, and it's gonna tie into what you're doing here and all that stuff. I, to me, that feels like that could be part of Wolverine and the X Men. That could be part of maybe i mean i don't know if, i don't, probably wouldn't fit into all new and uncanny just because of of what we're getting there uh and, and the kind of very uh deep story we've been playing with since those books launched um but the story to me doesn't feel like it has its own niche it feels to me like it, it belongs in a, a book that already exists and that's my main problem with it. i like jason aaron i like ed mcginnis mm-hmm. uh the only character here that seemed north star seems the only character that would be in danger of being lost if there if it didn't have a book to, to be in, but I mean, Beast and Storm and Iceman are all featured heavily in other books. And I mean, Wolverine is in eight books, and I understand why you want him in every X Men book. But yeah. you know, I I think 
taking a page out of and I, I love Wolverine. I'm, this is not an anti Wolverine mm-hmm. thing, but you take a page out of what Brian Wood did with with X Men and have him not nowhere near. He's not even in. He's not even mentioned really. I, I, I and it's in his school that the book is taking place. That's, right. That's, so I I think you can you can create a successful X Men title without having to put Wolverine into it. This story should be in Brian Wood's X Men mm. because that has the old school feel of this. Mm. You've got Kitty and Storm. Mm. And I know you guys are going to find this hard to believe, but before the ascension of Wolverine, mm-hmm. it was Nightcrawler. Yeah. The X-Men character that people loved was Nightcrawler. Mm-hmm. His interaction with people, his uh, it was a sort of a Ben Grimm thing that he's stuck in this hideous form, but still is a really good guy. And here he had all that going on. He, the swashbuckling things, great relationship with Kitty. Mm-hmm. It was just a wonderful character that got eclipsed eventually. So mm-hmm. it would fit more so perfectly in that... X-Men book. Mm. I have a question. Yeah. And I don't know if this is spoiler territory, so if it is, stop me before I go too far. Okay. Uh, recently, and especially when I was reading New Avengers, you have the scene where Doom is having dinner or a meal yeah, with yeah. Mr. Fantastic, and he questions him as to how he's been in so many different places. Like, how, how mm-hmm. did I hear about you being off in space with your family on some way where, you know, mm. some educational adventure, and yet here you are having dinner with me. And he says, well, I, you know, I don't sleep. I am everywhere. And they, they kind of hint at something, but they never, they never tie it off with a bow. They never finish that thought. They kind of just threw it out there. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was one of the, the finale issues of Age of Ultron, they revealed something about the Marvel Universe that kind of puts it on its head and explains everything and nothing about what's been going on lately. And I'm just wondering how many more of these X-Books and how many more of these adventures that we're splitting these characters against until it, it all just comes off as like a just a confusing mess. Well, I think part of that, you just got to... You can't, you can't act... You can't, in your mind... There's no way to logically reconcile how Wolverine can be in eight books. It's just that's it's comics, like you know, it's just yeah, it was easy right, in the but old they, days. But they 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 tried to put an explanation to it. Well, and, they do that in in that one book because Reed is very specifically in a very different. He's he is in a different universe. He's not somewhere else on Earth. He's in, supposedly in a different universe. So I feel like they he wanted to reconcile that point just because I feel like Hickman likes to do that kind of stuff. You know, he likes mm-hmm. to internalize. Mm-hmm. Uh, that stuff very much, but I don't think that you know the fact that Wolverine's and Wolverine the X Men, all new X Men, you know, uh, astonishing X Men. He's in Wolverine. He's in Savage Wolverine. I don't think they're ever gonna care about that because that means they'd have to somehow, you know, their golden goose would have to be right. uh, you I know, have, trained. I have, I have heard rumors that that they were gonna at some point try to explain. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, that's that where I thought we were going, sort of, yeah. and then they kind of. There's so much going on that they they put it out there, and they they kind of started to explain it, and then you know somebody else walked through the door, and it's hey, and mm-hmm. that's that. Now, the best explanation was what Stan used to do, or Roy Thomas. You'd write a footnote. Mm-hmm. This happens between yeah issues yeah, forty seven and forty eight. Yeah, believe me, I, I, yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not asking for like a chart right. or yeah. anything to tell me where everybody <laughs> is all at once. Yeah. But I'm just I'm a little I'm a little concerned that they they put this really interesting possibility out there to explain all of this, and then it kind of got like waylaid. 
by many, many other things, or they have just haven't finished the thought yet. Yeah, I think it's more they yeah. haven't finished the thought okay. yet than anything else. Um, so an, another another thing that came up, uh, speaking of Wolverine, is they announced a few miniseries at, at, at San Diego Comic-Con, and one of them uh, was uh, Wolverine Origins 2. Uh, the first Wolverine Origins book was written by Paul Jenkins with art by Andy Kubert. Uh, but this time around, uh, we've, we've heard Paul Jenkins, we talked about a couple months ago, Paul Jenkins and his kind of, not rant, but his editorial about uh, DC and Marvel and the way they treat their creators. So he's out of this equation. Uh, Kieran Gillen and artist Adam Kubert uh, will, be, will be taking uh, this over. Um, and uh, this, uh, the series introduced readers to James Howlett, a sickly boy on a Canadian plantation in the late 19th century. And by the time the series was over, readers saw how mutant powers and a number of tragedies turned Howlett into a savage man named Logan that ran with a pack of wolves. So it, it, a lot of what we saw kind of to the, in the, it's not a good movie, but the, the kind of the origins and X-Men origins Wolverine that him is like a regal kid and he's sick and he has the bones for claws. A lot of that came from this, this mini series that came out in 2002. And this is the sequel to it uh, written by uh, Kieran Gillen. I don't have much to say about it because I didn't read the original, but no. uh, I love Kieran Gillen, so that's pretty cool. Uh, I, lo- I love the fact they're doing miniseries. I like the idea of them doing more miniseries. Uh, the other miniseries they announced was Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe. Um, after spending the last few years playing nicely with others, the, luckly- the luckiest superhero in the Marvel Universe reclaims his origin role this fall, that of a leading man. Remembers Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe, finds the X-Factor stalwart targeted by a mysterious stranger determined to end the lives of New York City's luckiest citizens. That makes Longshot the most fortunate do-gooder on the planet, a prime target, despite his otherwise relatively low profile. Um, Please tell me it's Art Adams. It's not. Uh, He's not really that powerful, but if you got supernatural luck on your side, you can face out anything, right? Says writer Christopher Hastings. Um, Longshot will be going up against some pretty ridiculously big threats. After all, he is saving the Marvel Universe, and it's going to be a good time seeing just how lucky he can get. Um, so Longshot is a X-Factor character? Of late, yes. Well, yeah, but the, that's yeah. where he has been. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know who he is. Why don't you get a quick little brief uh, He's It's part of the whole Mojo-verse, which is mm-hmm. you know, people who are seeing X-Factor now. Mm-hmm. That's, where, that's where this issue is at. Um, he basically could... He, he, it was about luck. If he tried to do something, something good would happen. Mm-hmm. No real powers beyond, a little bit of strength, some some of that sort of jazz. Always fun, never really went anywhere. Mm-hmm. You'd see him once or twice a year. He'd flip through all the X-Books. Uh, was, again, perfectly done by Art Adams, not so perfectly done in between. Mm-hmm. So that's why I groaned a little bit. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities because he's kind of a blank slate. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this, right? We just mentioned our kind of... Uh, uh, not distaste, but a little bit of a, you know, boredom for the fact that these same characters over and over mm-hmm. again, Wolverine over and over again. Here's a character that most people probably don't even know his name, and he's going to get a mini series to, you know, be able to show off who he is and what he's doing. Uh, Stephanie, you're a reader of X Factor as well. Uh, what do you think of this character getting a mini series? I like that they're doing new things. Mm-hmm. So I'll definitely read it and check it out. I mean, I think I'm more inclined. I like Karen Gillan. Mm hmm. Um, but I think I'm more inclined to check out this as opposed to another, you know, a part two of Wolverine's Origins. Mm-hmm. Because quite frankly, I didn't really like the first Wolverine Origins. <laughs> so, I mean, 
even with a new writer, mm. I don't really care. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't know much about Longshot, so this would totally be something that I would check out. I think miniseries should be characters that we don't, you know, know a whole lot about. And, you know, maybe focus... I mean, maybe they're doing one big character so that they know that they're going to make some money, and then they're doing a lesser-known one to kind of gauge the waters. I hope that they don't come out together, though, because I think if people, you know, see them side by side, they're obviously going to pick... Mm. Wolverine over the other one and that's really going to be detrimental to sales and people Mm. you know trying out something new but if they do it right I think it could be really successful and hopefully you know well written and with good art yeah I mean the the cool thing about miniseries is that if it's five issues or whatever it's going to be the sales aren't as vital as far as Mm. far as monthly because they they probably already written they're out they're going to be out Mm. they're all solicited it's going to happen so yeah but at the same time it's also one of those things where the sales do matter because it matters to whether or not there'll be new interesting series as opposed to wolverine part three yeah part 12 part (laughs) it's not a miniseries if you keep continuing it people (laughs) It's just not. There'll be more Wolverine miniseries. Yes, so there will be. So guarantee don't you, that. Yeah, don't you worry about that. <laughs> uh, Steve, you have anything you want to chime in on about Longshot? Nah. Saves the Marvel Universe? No? Nah. All right. Um, uh, really quick, this is just a little, little summit of news. Uh, we, uh, talking about Brian Wood's X-Men, we knew that uh, th- there would be an art change eventually. This is kind of what happens. Uh, they've announced who's going to be taking over for uh, Koipel. Uh, when he leaves, it's Terry Dodson, oh. um, who you know did that run with Matt Fraction on uh, Defenders. Uh, I think he also did the the two um, Avenging Spider-Mans with uh, Kelly, Ke- Sue. Ke- Kelly Sue, right. the Captain did Marvel. Tons of Wonder Woman with yeah. Gail Simone and, yeah. and Jody Picoult before. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, really good artist. So, I mean, it's a shame that Koypel's leaving, but we knew that was going to happen. This happens all the time. They cycle out artists. Uh, so it's cool that someone big and really talented is taking over there. Um, mm. uh, <laughs> that's it really for the, the, the Marvel, uh, comic book news. Um, DC didn't have a lot of com- comic book news coming out of, out of the convention. Uh, talk about forever evil and, and, and stuff like that, but not a lot of uh, announcements. There is a rumor, however, that, uh, uh, John Romita Jr. is being courted by DC to jump ship and take over Superman uh, writing and art duties. Um, so uh, he's never worked at uh, at DC before, and uh, his contract is up with Marvel. However, uh, I, you know I I know his I know a very small cross section of his work. I've, I I I've never read anything that he's written, so I don't know how good a writer is. I mean, Bob has he written before? Not that I can recall. Okay. But he's been at this a very long time, and yeah. he was working when they were still doing the Marvel method, which mm-hmm. means he was co-plotting, even if he wasn't getting a credit for it. Yeah, I'm sure his father will slap him silly if he goes across the street <laughs> after working for Stan for 60-odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, as I thought he was a poor fit for Captain America, he's the same poor fit for Superman. Mm-hmm. To me, it's he's he's a great daredevil artist. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's great street level. He's great little personal moments, big things. His art is kind of flat. Mm-hmm. It's scratchy and uh, very artistic, and but it's very specific. Mm-hmm. 
and to me, you know, as not that I'm thrilled with Jim Lee because that's too muscular. Mm-hmm. There, there's a something in between. Yeah. And this is the pendulum swinging all the way in the other direction in some ways. He'd, I tell you, he'd probably do a great Batman. Yeah. If you're going to put him on a DC project or a it, Phantom Stranger, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Something a little stranger. Yeah. To not reuse the word Hey-o. you just used. Hey, oh. <laughs> uh, so there, the, the other uh, DC news, and I think this came out a little bit before Comic-Con, but was expanded upon at Comic-Con, is the fact that DC is going to be doing a ongoing Harley Quinn series uh, written by Jimmy Pamiali and Amanda Connor, uh, though they're still... Uh, looking uh, for an artist. And the way they're going to do it is in the first issue is Harley is going to audition 18 different artists to draw the first issue. That's hysterical. And she's going to critique each one. Um, Every artist will have one page in the first issue with Harley's comments written over them. He then added that it's set in Coney Island and features Harley analyzing people to death. Oh, my God. Um, So, Steve, (laughs) what do you think? I didn't hear all that. I mean, all I needed was the announcement and the preview artwork. Um, mm-hmm. I did a dance when I found out. I got up out of my chair, and I did a little uh, little bit of running man, some, <laughs> some moonwalk action going on in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, Harley Quinn is my favorite character of the Batman universe. I just I think she's hysterical, and I love her her the psychology mm-hmm. of her, her place in that universe. Uh and I'm really, I was quite surprised, I was a little taken aback by the promo artwork for her and the way that she was dressed. And then I, I was looking at it again yesterday, and I realized that she's not only is she at Coney Island, but she's in a very much a roller derby kind of getup. Mm-hmm. It almost looks like cheerleader meets roller derby kind of thing, but it's still very, very much Harley Quinn. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping... I'm hoping, hoping, hoping more than anything that the book is fun. Uh, it sounds like from that description that you just gave that I did not know about that it's going to be freaking awesome. <laughs> so I hope that 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 reigns true and that it it is like a fun, almost interactive kind of book because it would have been a real shame to keep exploring this dark and brutalized Harley Quinn that we've seen as much as you know, Aless has been writing her a little differently in the newer issues of Suicide Squad, but not differently enough Mm -hmm. that it restores her to her former glory. Not that we'd even ever have that again, Mm -hmm. but at least this approach to her character and this setup for that first issue, it just sounds like a really good time and kind of just rolling the dice and see what happens with it. It would be awesome if maybe they had some kind of a like a voting thing set up mm. that people could go to a website and they can only vote once and you got to vote for a page. Mm-hmm. I think that would be really cool. I mean, what, so a little context for the creator said, Palmiati said, uh, we will build on Harley's background, motivations, and her home and supporting cast. He added sort of like we did with Power Girl, but with a mix of a bit more homicidal maniac added mm-hmm. in. And the man that Connor said is, I'm trying to incorporate my favorite things about her, about the look, about her latest look and her early costume. I was also inspired by some roller derby girls that I met there a short go. time ago. I think that look totally works for Harley. Another thing I try to keep in mind is what would work really well for costumers and cosplayers and what would be fun for them to create. Um, Stephanie, what do you think about this? Um, I think it's awesome. I like Jimmy Palmiotti and I like Amanda Connor a lot. And well, the costume is a still a little bit more like risque than I think I would like for Harley. I do dig the 
whole roller derby girl kind of look for her. Yeah. Um, and I think it works with her personality mm-hmm. and just really, I, I mean, before it's kind of just slutty for the sake of being slutty. <laughs> and like at least now, like Coney Island, I could mm-hmm. see Harley being a roller derby girl. Mm-hmm. And that works for me. I will definitely read this. Yeah. Bob. Yeah. Let, Amanda, except for the pro where she's trying to draw it slutty, yeah, yeah. <laughs> doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no matter how their power girl, you know, that Amanda and, and Jimmy did, it was one of the greatest runs of, so it's the greatest run on that character. Just one of the most fun books I've ever read. You will find, Steve, you're going to love what they do to her. Uh, it'll be just a great reinvestigation, reinvigoration. Mm-hmm. They'll pull from every angle they can to triangulate a Harley that makes sense for everybody mm-hmm. in this new universe, but that you'll recognize as yours. Right. It's well, going to be great. Well, what I like about her is the costume yeah, is still risque, but the, the, the way that her face is, is rendered... She has a smile on her face. She mm-hmm. looks soft. Like she has something about her. She doesn't. The, the thing about that character is in this new design. Not only is she dressed very skimpily and, and very scantily, but her face. She looks like a strung out like heroin addict all the time. Yeah. Her face is very. Her face is very gaunt. You know, she she looks very strung <laughs> out, and that adds to kind of the seedy look uh, of that character. At least here, she has kind of like this big smile on her face and. And it retains a little bit of that uh, past version of the character while keeping, you know, uh, the, some of the new costume elements. In, she's in also a lot scarier when she's very, like, very cherubic and very. Oh smiley. yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because there's so much, there's so much of a of a sinister, dark and psychotic nature hiding behind all the cute. Yeah. Um, and I'm also a p- part that I really liked of what you read was they're going to be exploring her home. Yeah. One of the the best issues or one of the best parts of reading um, Gotham City Sirens was this one issue where she actually does go home and she's like sleeping on the couch and her brother's there and her mother and she has a real home. Like they know exactly who she is. They know that she runs with the Joker. They know that she's been hanging out with Catwoman and Poison Ivy. And she ends up going home, I think, for the holidays or something like that. And it's it really showed a whole other side of her that mm-hmm. she's just like any other girl that when you take off the makeup and the outfit that, you know, she doesn't always get along with her mother. Her brother's a shiftless layabout that, you know, you think that she's off doing, you know, villainy things and whatnot. He's sucking the mother dry by just existing on the couch playing video games or reading comics and doing nothing with his life at least she's living a life of crime but adventure at the same time Mm -hmm. and it was just a very it was a really really cool approach and a different side of her that you only got to see in my experience that one time so if they're actually gonna you know explore that a little bit and give her a little bit more history by way of family I think that could be really cool yeah I would tell you knowing their work from previous stuff what you'll see is that home life told harley's way mm-hmm. yeah. you'll end up seeing the twisted weird version that harley sees and not what they see or you'll see them both it, it's gonna be great i gotta I read power girl i'm missing only three issues and then i have the entire run i gotta read it yeah uh absolutely so that's that sounds very cool in it yeah um you know, we spoke about uh, a villain's month a little bit, and, and obviously Harley is is a villain as well. And one of the cool things that I thought John said at the panel, even though there weren't a lot of announcements, was he talked about the Forever Evil dynamics, and he was saying that what's going to be he, what he's most excited about is the fact that 
the way these characters interact. And just because they're all villains doesn't mean they're all at this in this in, in agreement and all at the same level. They're going to be characters who don't who decide that okay, when the Justice League was in charge, things were much much better than they are now. So there's a lot of cool stuff with the rogues that are going to happen. The Flash is rogues because they are not like the let's conquer the world group of no, people. They're, they're bank robbers. Yeah, they're and bank such, robbers yeah. and stuff. So. I, I, and I, I think the Harley thing kind of fits into that same vein because we get to see like how she isn't quite like all the other villains and stuff like that. And he said Catwoman is a very big focus of Forever Evil and kind of her straddling that line between good guy and bad guy. And he said it's one of his favorite one of his favorite uh, things to have written was to take Catwoman center stage uh, for that. Cool for that for that story. Um, the the Eisners were this week. They they they, they fall during Comic Con. So I want to run down uh, some of the winners uh, very quick. Best single issue or one shot, The Mire by Becky Cloonan. Yay. Um, Stephanie, you read that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's awesome. I sent her like a little congratulations note on Twitter. I'm so happy that it won. It's very cool. Best continuing series, Saga by Brian K. Vaughn mm-hmm. and Fiona Staples. Of course. Best new series, Saga by yeah. Brian K. Vaughn and Fiona Staples. They were listening Staples. to our show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, best publication for early readers up to age seven. They have some very particular categories. Yeah. The Eisners, uh, Baby Mouse for President by Jennifer L. Holm and Matthew Holm. <laughs> best publication for kids eight to twelve. Adventure Time by Ryan North. Yes. Uh, best publication for teens aged thirteen to seventeen. A Wrinkle in Time. Uh, best humor publication. Darth Vader and Son by <laughs> Jeffrey Brown. Best Digital Comic, Bandette by Paul Toman and Colleen Coover. Yay! Uh, best Anthology, Dark Horse Presents. Uh, best Reality-Based Work, it's a tie between Annie Sullivan and The Trials of Helen Keller by Joseph Lambert. And The Carter Family, Don't Forget This Song by Frank M. Young and David Lasky, which I'm sure are just riots to read. I think they should cross <laughs> those over and they should fight Galactus. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'd buy that. Best graphic album, New Building Stories by Chris Ware. Best adaptation for another medium, Richard Stark's Parker, The Score, adapted by Darwin Cook. Um, Best graphic album, Reprint, King City by Brandon Graham. Uh, Best archival collection project, Strips, Pogo, Volume 2. Best... This is, again, I don't even know what some of these mean. Best archival uh, archival collection project comic book, David Mazzuchelli's uh, da- Daredevil Born Again Artist Edition from That's IDW. Giant yeah, the giant IDW books. Ones, yeah, full size art, which are amazing. Um, best U.S. edition of international material, uh, Black Sad Silent Hell. Oh, nice. By Juan Diaz Canales, which we have review on our site actually. Um, best U.S. edition of International Material, Asia, Naoki Urasawa's 20th Century Boys by Naoki Urasawa. Best writer, Brian K. Vaughn, Saga. Yeah. Best writer slash artist, Chris Ware, Building Stories. Best penciler, Inkler. We have a, Inkler, Inker. We have a tie <laughs> between David Aja uh, and Chris Samney. Um, uh, best painter, multimedia artist, uh, interior, uh, Juanjo Gardi- Garnido. For Black Sad, uh, best cover artist David Aja for Hawkeye, uh, best coloring uh, Dave Stewart who did Batwoman, Fatal, BPRD, Conan the Barbarian, Hellboy in Hell, Lobster Johnson, and The Massive. So everything. Everything. Yeah. Uh, best lettering Chris Ware, Building Stories. Uh, best comics related periodical journalism, The Comics Reporter, uh, which is www.comicsreporter.com. Uh, Next year we'll win. Yeah, best comics-related book, Marvel Comics, The Untold Story by Sean Howe. 
Um, best educate educational academic work, Linda Berry, Girlhood Through the Looking Glass. Uh, best publication design, Building Stories, uh, designed by Chris Ware. Uh, and then we have Hall of Fame, Lee Falk, Al Jaffe, Mort Meskin, Trina Robbins, there we go. Uh, Spain Rodriguez, and Joe Sinat. Uh, so those were the Eisners this year. Um, Saga cleaned up pretty well. Mm-hmm. Funny though, it wins best continuing, uh, best new, and best writer. And Tofino Staples wasn't even nominated for best penciler. Uh, for uh, mm. for, there's, a, for the there's always a huge upset with uh, these things. <laughs> n- not that Chris Samney and David Naja don't deserve to win an award there. It's just it's just interesting that she wasn't even nominated. I don't think there was even an upset of it. Everyone that was a really fantastic list of you know nominees. Yeah. It was really well rounded, and I mean it sucks that Fiona Staples wasn't. You know, nominated, but I don't think her, anyone else would have been like, this is an outrage. No, because, I'm like, sure. everyone else was equally deserving. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure especially her wouldn't say yeah. it's an outrage. Yeah. She's, like, a very understated person. I was kidding. No, I know, but I'm just saying, too, like, it was a really good list this year. Yeah. Um. Very, very cool, yeah. It, it, and the cool thing about the Eisners is that they really don't seem to have a bias as far as Okay, we're like we're the art awards, so we're not going to have any of like the major, you know, creators and publishers from the major companies on here. Uh and they're not also they're also not kind of biased towards those major companies. They seem to have a, a good breadth uh, of people and it's just really about the work and I, I think that is a very very cool thing. And also, the retailers award this year went to Chicago's Challengers Comics. Oh wow. Oh. So like congratulations to them. This was their fourth year being nominated and they I think they were kind of like, well, we're nominated. So, you know, that's cool. But they wound up winning. So, I mean, that's like the Oscar of, you know, yeah. awards for comic shops. So congratulations to Challengers because they're amazing and definitely deserve it. Yeah, no, that's really, really awesome. Now, really quickly, who exactly votes on the Eisner's? Is this all industry the way the Oscars is? It's the guilds? of the, It's there's, the writers and artists themselves? There's usually, I believe, a panel that changes up every... So often, I don't know exactly, but um, they usually announce it around the same time as the nominees who was like voting on it and who did the nominee stuff for the beginning of the year. I know for the retailer awards, anyone can nominate anyone. Mm -hmm. I don't know who votes on it, but I mean, for the rest of it, I think it's a panel. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I was just wondering, yeah, is it a panel that does the nominations and then industry votes? Here we go. Here, here we I, go. I'm looking oh, it up here right we now. Go. We're looking it up. Here we go. <laughs> that who, interweb stuff. Who is eligible to vote for the Eisners? Comic book, graphic novel, and webcomic creators? Uh, all nominees in any category. Uh, comic book, graphic novel publishers and editors? Comic historians and educators? Graphic novel librarians? Owners and managers of comic book specialty retail stores? Who is not eligible to vote? Comic book press or reviewers, unless they are nominees. Non-creative publisher staff members, PR, marketing, assistants, etc., and fans. So it's an industry thing. Yeah. There's a website where you sign up and you, you vote from there. Mm-hmm. So uh, pretty cool. So, so winning an Eisner is really a big deal. You're getting, it's, it's your peers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the, the only complaint I've ever heard about it is that some people wish that it wasn't during Comic-Con. Even though it's when people are very all focused there and it gets everybody in the same room, it's just a tough thing to spread your kind of focus oh. around to to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, that's it. Uh, so the other news coming out of Comic Con is uh, Chuck Palahniuk is doing a Fight Club graphic novel. 
Um, it's a it's a sequel to to to, to Fight Club. Ooh. Um, so he he said uh, it'll it it will likely be a series of books that update the story ten years after the seeming end of Tyler Durden. Nowadays, Tyler is telling the story lurking inside Jack and ready to launch a, a comeback. Jack is oblivious. Marla is bored. Their marriages run a, run aground on the rocky coastline of middle-aged suburban boredom. It's only when their little boy disappears, kidnapped by Tyler, that Jack is dragged back into the world of mayhem. Oh. So, yeah. He's, I, he's writing it, too, which is pretty I cool. did not know that it was a sequel. Yeah. I thought that they were just bringing Fight Club to a graphic novel. No. And I was like, I totally passed by it. I was like, yeah. Mm. I, I love Chuck Palahniuk is one of my top five favorite writers. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm really, I can't wait to, when we get out of here, I can't wait to spread that news. <laughs> uh, Stephanie, are you a, uh, a Fight Club fan? Yeah, but I mean, I've never had a desire to kind of have a sequel to it. Uh-huh. And even though it's not a movie or anything, I mean, I'll check it out if there's good reviews of it, but it's not something that I'm like dying to read. Mm-hmm. Cool. What about you, Bob? Same boat. Same boat. Like the movie, not enough to have ah, gone any further. Yeah. All of you will eat your words. <laughs> I don't know. I hope it's good. I really hope it's good. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, when I was a kid when that movie came out, like a teenager, that was like a metric ton kind of movie. That was like one of those like shifting perspective movies mm-hmm. that I, I it blew me away uh, when I saw it. I mean, the years since then... I. I haven't watched it probably in probably in 10 years, you know, mm-hmm. it's been a really long time since I, I've seen that movie, but I do have a lot of love for it. And if, and I do like Chuck Palahniuk as a writer. Uh, so I, I will be at least intrigued to read what he, he puts out as a sequel. And he's been saying, he's been talking to a lot of creators and talking to people at Marvel and DC just to kind of get, uh, you know, get himself acclimated with writing a comic book. Cause he's never done it before. Um, so let's move transition a little bit to the, uh, the movie news, which obviously mm-hmm. was uh, extremely big, big stuff. Um, we'll, we'll start out with with because we haven't we talked a lot about Marvel. Let's talk a little bit about actually. Sorry, just a couple more comic book news that I, I didn't get to. <gasps> oh. uh, they're not as big as stuff. I, IDW is losing the uh, Doctor Who uh, license for comic books, uh, and the the two biggest kind of uh, expected people that would come in would be either. Uh, Titan, which is a UK company, Makes sense. Uh, or uh, Boom would be the other the other the other company that would come to swoop in. Uh, the the real reason this is kind of I know Paul, Paul Cornell is going to be writing a Doctor Who book. Uh, Mark Wade was supposed to write one at the end of I think this year. Now that's kind of going to get lost if unless whatever company picks up the license wants to run that series, uh, which is. Crazy! I didn't even know that Mark Webb was writing a Doctor Who thing, uh, but it, so that's kind of where it it, it goes. Um, the other thing too is uh, we got we got some Vertigo stuff that came out. Grant Morrison is coming back to Vertigo. He's writing a new volume of Sea Guy, which is a was a book that he did there uh, a few years back. It's not a book I'm familiar with, uh, but I am a huge Grant Morrison fan, obviously, and we talked about him before. Uh, is the short description of Sea Guy, he's an underpowered superhero in a scuba suit, and his best friend and sidekick, Chubby Dachuna, a talking cigar-smoking tuna fish. <laughs> so there you go. Sounds like Muddy Mudskipper goes <laughs> to comics. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it's about, you know, uh, that kind of stuff. So, uh, sounds bizarre. It also sounds like Vertigo is, again, uh, we, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago with kind of all the books that got announced. It seems like that line is... 
is coming back against kind of even what what Dan Dedeo had said uh, you know a few months back. Yeah. So that's really good to hear. Big big creators. I think Peter Milligan. We obviously heard about him. He's also coming back to Vertigo. So big creators writing again at Vertigo. A very very cool. Uh, very exciting thing. Yeah, they're very important. They are very, very important. Uh, Stephanie, obviously this is not like concrete news and it's just kind of a often mentioned, but what do you think about writers like Morrison writing at Vertigo again? I think it's awesome. Um, I think Vertigo needs more titles and, you know, The Wake is obviously a good start to that and we have Collider coming soon, right? Yeah, with Collider is coming very soon, yeah. So, I mean, the more writers that are coming back to Vertigo and putting out new content for them, the better. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it seemed a little bit like uh, Fables and Ferris were kind of holding up that entire line for mm-hmm. at least a few months. And now it seems that with, uh, we have Brother Lono that's now out, Astro City's coming out, we have The Wake, Collider's coming out, all this other stuff. So it's cool that they're coming back and it's nice that they, they were focused on a little bit at, they had a panel at SDCC, so uh, that, that's awesome. Um, so on to the, the, the movie side of things which obviously gets the most press uh, from this kind of thing. So uh, starting on the DC side of things, we as the, the, the day started going and the Warner Brothers panel started uh, to come up, there was a lot of rumors going around. Bleeding Cool had some rumors. A lot of places picked up these rumors that, that there was going to be uh, a Flash movie in 2016 and Justice League in 2017. Uh, none of, neither of those things got announced. Uh, but at the end of the Warner Brothers panel, uh, Zack Snyder did take the stage and said, yes, there's, we are working on another Superman movie. He's like, I don't want to tell you too much about it, but there's one element I, I want I want to tell tell you about. They, he brought out one of the actors from Men of Steel, this guy Harry Lennox, uh, who played the general in Men of Steel, and he read out a quote. Uh, and I, I don't want to read out the quote exactly. Uh, the paraphrase quote is, you know, the is, I want you to remember, Clark, and all, all your memories to come. I'm paraphrasing, you know. Uh, the one man who beat you. This is a quote from The Dark Knight Returns. And in a kind of... We all know our opinions on Man of Steel. And even with my skeptical rolled eyes, when I watched the, the the fan video from the actual panel, the reaction of the people when the Superman logo spins out and the Batman logo comes in behind it, it, it gave me chills just because the pure reaction of the people... Same here. In, ...in the hall, the way that they reacted to it. So... Uh, let's start out here. This is Batman Superman coming in 2015. It's the same team. Uh, let, let's talk about impressions of the movie that will be coming out and then we'll, we'll have a little fun and we'll talk about Batman and who maybe we should, we should, uh, we want, we want to see in, in the cowl. But Bob, let's start out with you and let's move on from there. Fair. <laughs> um, let's just say I, I, we can only hope that we reclaim some of what's special about Superman through Batman here. Mm. And that we have, you know, beyond that they beat each other up for 90 minutes, that we have a moment where Mm. they're a team and they go do something together and they're standing on a rooftop with the sun setting behind them (laughs) or whatever. And it's, it truly is a world's finest moment. We can only hope Mm -hmm. is what I'm going to say. But then of course we live in hope and die in despair. As they used to say. (laughs) It's a good quote. It's a good Thank quote. Uh, Stephanie, what do you think? Eh. I mean, <laughs> you know, if anyone else was attached to this, I would be excited. But, like, my ability to believe that this could be a fun movie, I'm sorry, is just shattered. Because I, 
I like Zack Snyder a lot, but I want this to be fun. And I don't think that they know what that word means. Um, so, I mean, catch your comments ready. <laughs> I know, I know I'm going to whatever, but I'm not going to say anything against it at this point in time, because all we have is a logo. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I can say that I'm not excited for the team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I, I mean, for me, like Steve, you texted me, yeah, and you asked me, yeah, like wh- what I thought. And, and when I said what I said to Steve was the same thing I'll say right now, which is you want me to read it because it was very well put. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to redo it now. Okay, uh, you know, because of my feelings on Man of Steel, I, I'm not over the moon about this announcement. However, I can only hope that. You know, they cut the difference and they take some of the criticisms to heart that they Mm. imbue some sort of of fun into the film. And here's the deal. I've liked many things that Zack Snyder has done. I've liked Mm. many things that David Goyer has done. And so I give it the benefit of the doubt for its release. Not super excited about it. Here's the one thing. As long as it's not a joyless piece of garbage, I will be excited about it. But if Batman kills somebody, I'm out. I'm done. Never going to watch one of those movies again. And that's just my opinion about it. You know. Uh, however, if they pay off the stuff that they did with Clark in the first film, and I, still, I'm not, I don't want to spoil the stuff that happens if people haven't seen that movie, um, and he gets his comeuppance from Bruce and from Batman for the things that he's done then I'll be, I'll be able to swallow it. And I, I hope to enjoy it. I never hope not to enjoy a movie. Um, but we'll see. I, I remain not even cautiously optimistic, you know, just cautious. So I got <laughs> Steve, what do you think? Um, I am, I'm concerned mm-hmm. would be the, the words, uh, with coming off of man of steel and the way that, that I had had felt about it. I do plan on seeing it again eventually and perhaps I'll feel different, but, uh, that if it was a different team doing the film, I'd be a lot more excited for it. I'm also a little concerned that while we're always we're always wondering how they're gonna how DC is gonna start to create kind of bring in their universe mm-hmm. of characters and how they're gonna start to meet each other. Uh, I mean, this is a movie that's been trying to be made for over like 15 years. Mm-hmm. They've been trying to get this done. And Wolfgang Peterson, the first yeah, time, Wolfgang Peterson, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. And I just, I wonder, I mean, for everything that happened in Man of Steel, you would have thought that a Man of Steel sequel would have been the obvious answer. I assume that they're not doing, this is going to replace a yeah. Man of Steel? Okay. Yeah. So not only are we going to, I think there's going to be a, have to, a lot to get used to. Not only are we going to get a recasting of Batman, because Christian Bale said he will not do it. Yeah. Uh, and they've they've said as well that those movies take place in a in a, its own pocket. Like that's not part of what they're right. doing now. If we get a movie where they, like you said, if they listen to, I mean, the movie was a huge success. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people. I'm talking about Man of Steel that loved it. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, absolutely yeah. loved it. But and that's why I said cut the difference. I'm not talking about them because they have people who like that movie, right? And they don't want the people who do like it. You don't want to. You don't want to betray the people who liked that right. movie completely. Right. You don't want to make the super friends. Here. Exactly. Yeah. So you've got to yeah. cut, I just cut the difference a little bit. That's all I, I meant. I think it's a situation where if they looked at all aspects and all reactions mm-hmm. to Man of Steel that they sat down and they said, okay, listen, people loved this. 
people really didn't like this. Mm. What can we do in the sequel that builds off of that, but still creates something new and creates a union between these characters that, that we can then bring them into other films in the future and start to build our universe. Mm -hmm. It would be really nice if Batman coming into the picture kind of, instead of it being Clark that comes to terms with his actions in the first film, that it's Batman that through their, their division and through the way that they both see the world Mm -hmm. differently, that he learns through that, whether or not like Batman's the one that pretty much teaches him Mm -hmm. the way that he, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, um, (laughs) I think that if they made that, that's the movie that I would like to see Mm -hmm. personally. Uh, I, and I, I really hope that, they have better attempts at humor than they did uh, with Man of Steel and that it's not dark, 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 corny-ass joke to lighten the mood. (laughs) Dark, dark, dark. Um, I expect it'll be violent. I expect it'll be bombastic and huge and all of these things. But please, for the love of God, I hope that it has heart. Mm. Um, and when you mentioned the, the fan video, I watched that this morning. I actually reposted it on my Twitter feed that, that brought a smile to my face. I thought it was really cool whether or not I was excited. I kind of, I rolled, I'll admit it. I rolled my eyes Mm. when that announcement came. I was like, Oh, but then I saw the room. I saw the way they introduced it and the mystery behind it. Nobody had any idea. It was pitch black in there. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. But when that logo came up, people lost it. Yeah. And I was excited for them. Yeah. You know, for the people that really are craving this and have wanted to see this happening for so long that um, I think it's it. hopefully, hopefully it will be fun. Mm -hmm. And I do, I really, really have enjoyed Zack Snyder's other films. And I like David Goyer when he was Mm -hmm. writing Batman. Yeah. Um, Perhaps, perhaps a second time's the charm. Mm -hmm. I, you know... Yeah, that, that's all you can hope for. Yeah, you I'm, know? I'm cautiously optimistic. For us, anyway, that's all I can hope for is that this movie connects with me more th- than the other one. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, the thing is going to be interesting because this is going to be the first time probably in the history of the characters, movie, TV, uh, comic book, that Batman's going to be able to say to Superman, I don't agree with your methods, you know, mm-hmm. which could yeah. be interesting. That, that could be an interesting thing to, to deal with. Um, you know, I'm going to be interested see how they balance the two characters. We've never dealt with a movie, you know, Avengers is five very big personalities, but these are the two biggest heroes, the, two of the biggest characters in fiction history, you know, mm-hmm. and to balance them in the same movie, it's going to be an intriguing sight and it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be very tough for Batman not to overshadow Superman in a lot of ways mm-hmm. just because of how strong a cultural presence Batman is. I just wonder how much of it is going to be like already established that they're not going to reintroduce the audience to Batman's origins over no. again. No. Are we going to get the shot of him falling down the, the well into no, the cave? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, we get hints of that stuff. We might get a shot of the, the alley. We might get him falling. But I don't think we're going to see an origin story. I think he's going to be already existing in the universe when when the movie begins. Um, 
and I think Carl Urban should play him. So that's my uh, for Batman. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> that's my 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 pick for that. Someone posted online what uh, the plot that they came up with was: Batman joins up with Lex Luthor to stop Superman. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, they're not adapting the Dark Knight Returns, but if right. they're using that kind of, you know, almost. Uh, the idea of that, which is Clark is not out of control, but Clark is is not doing the right thing so much, and Batman's he needs to step up to kind of say someone can come when someone can step up to you. I'll be interested to see how they pull that off in a movie where it's the beginnings of the characters and right. not the ends of the right. characters. And if this, I mean, if this lays the groundwork for the Justice League mm. and for other films and for characters to start appearing in other things and start pulling the movie universe mm. together then I'm all for that. Yeah. yeah. For wherever it's all worth, we did a show about how to do the Justice League movie <laughs> and I said they should do a Superman Batman World's Finest movie and then a Flash Green Lantern Brave and the Bold and then mm. merge the two movies yeah. into something else. So we'll see. Stephanie, do you have anything else you want to say about the Batman Superman? No, I think I'm good. Okay. <laughs> uh, and by the way, the, the big rumor is that it's going to be called Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. That's the big that uh, or Superman versus Batman. That that's the supposed title because David Goyer said something to that effect in the Superman 75th anniversary uh, panel. Um, that's the only news we got movie-wise out of out of DC. Uh, we flip over to Marvel, and there's obviously a ton of movie news. Mm. Uh, we, we sort of, obviously, they have three movies already announced that are coming out uh, in the next two years, and they did panels on all of those. Uh, they did Thor The Dark World, um, which, to be quite honest with you, is the, not the I'm going to see Thor The Dark World. It's no, no question about it, and I'm probably going to love it. Uh, but uh, it was the one I was least interested in hearing things about because it's so close. It's only a couple months away, mm-hmm. and we're going to get trailers. And I know that. Uh, uh, I there was something very big that happened apparently in the footage that I heard about that I don't want to spoil because I don't think people mm. here even know what happened. So I don't. I don't want to be spoiled on it. So I don't want to talk about okay. it. Something that. Well, Loki, now I'm curious about what you're talking about. Well, you yeah, can so you can look, you can look it up. I'm not going to talk about because I don't spoil for anybody. It's something Loki does to Thor. So huh. uh, check it out. Um, it's pretty big, big stuff. Hmm. Uh, the, uh, the, the next panel obviously was Captain America, the winter soldier, uh, which seemed very, very interesting, uh, to me. Uh, they talked about the footage. First of all, they said it's shot all handheld. Uh, it's the first Marvel movie ever to be shot that way. Which one is this? Captain America, the winter soldier. Oh, cool. Uh, so it, it has the sense very much of a seventies, uh, political thriller, also a little kind of Jason Bourne. Uh, feeling to it. The, the scene they talked about the most was Cap in a uh, an elevator that starts filling up with with, with bad guys, basically that they have to take on, uh, and that uh, the, the, everybody gets in. He realizes he's gonna get his ass that they're gonna fight. And but right before he starts fighting, he says to them, "Does anybody want to get off before <laughs> <great>. this happens?" <laughs> and there's a big fight. They said it looks huge. It looks like a seventy. You know, it looks very political. And also, there's a lot of prescient. Uh, social commentary about kind of the NSA and wiretapping and surveillance, uh, and that the Winter Soldier stuff is very close to um, the, the the comic book stuff. Well, it also uh, sounds like Cap, the book itself in the seventies, where Steve Englehart was doing mm-hmm. all that political stuff. So yeah. that that perfect meld of time periods and everything else. Yeah, very much keeping the uh, the the that as Steve being this you know this stalwart of morality, but the world around him. It is very much in the in the muck, and him dealing with that. Have we seen any footage of the Falcon doing anything yet? They said there was footage of the Falcon, him jumping off a, a building and shooting. Oh man! They said it was amazing, like a big hero moment. Um, and they said they saw very like Avengers level scope 
happening wow. in, in in the footage they saw. Um, and these are the guys who direct Community. Yes, it is the guys who direct Community, uh, which is is pretty crazy. And then um, Guardians of the Galaxy, which it, which to me was the most exciting of mm-hmm. all of all of the the news coming out, just because we haven't seen anything and it's their most ballsy move. We heard big stuff about uh, the attitude of the film and that Chris Pratt kind of knocks it out of the park as far as he's got a little bit of that kind of Robert Downey Jr. And when they talked about his casting, they said they needed somebody to go toe-to-toe with Robert Downey Jr. in the eventuality mm-hmm. of those, those two worlds you know, meet in a, in, in a future movie. Um, we, we had that happening. Uh, we, they, they showed footage of Rocket Raccoon. No voice. They said it looked amazing. Okay. Um, really funny. I was talking to Bob, Bob about this. Yeah. Uh, somebody tweeted that Rocket Raccoon will hit theaters years before there's a Wonder Woman film mm-hmm. who has been deemed <laughs> too tricky to bring to screen. <laughs> Yet we're going to get a movie with Rocket Raccoon in it. That sounds great. The tone, they said, sounds totally, seems totally different than any other Marvel movie. It looks great. Um, you know, We had a bunch of people on the panel. Uh, Karen Gillan was on the panel, uh, and she... <laughs> It whipped off a wig and she totally shaved her head bald because yep. yep. the character she's she's playing is bald. She's a villain in the Marvel Universe. Uh, Lee Pace was there who's playing Ronan the Accuser who's who's a Kree sentry. Uh, uh, so we're getting the Kree uh, huh. in the Marvel Universe. Benicio Del Toro was there. He hasn't started shooting yet his parts. They've only been shooting for like two weeks. Did you uh, mention who Karen Gillan's playing? It's, I don't remember the name of the character. It's Nebula. Nebula. Okay, Sorry. I just wasn't sure if you... I didn't mention the name, no. Okay, yeah, she's um, playing Nebula. And the moment was kind of cool. If you you can check out the footage and stuff, the way she revealed it was, was really was really it's cool. It's so weird because I was watching an interview with her earlier in the day with Paul Shear, mm-hmm. and I was like, her hair looks weird. That doesn't <laughs> look like her hair. And I like texted my friend, and I was like, I just watched this thing, and her hair, like, it doesn't look like her hair. And then she was all bald, and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, which really really cool and she seemed like she was having a lot, a lot of fun up there there's no Totoro who uh who's playing the collector right that's yep. his name uh he hasn't started shooting yet so he said this is actually the first time he's met the whole cast uh Jaiman Hunsu let slip that he's playing a close uh like a you know like a kind of acolyte of, of Thanos and they didn't really mm. want that to be brought up in the panel but afterwards James Gunn said yes Thanos or Kevin Feige said Thanos is in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Awesome. Well, Nebula's tied to Thanos too, so I mean, yeah. they announced that. So why wouldn't they announce what he's playing? Yeah. So, but they just—I think they wanted to save that for like a big announcement. I want to know who Vin Diesel's playing. Well, yeah, that, Thanos. Yeah, Thanos. I think. I think that's who you think it is. I think it's going to be either Thanos. Thanos or Vision, but yeah. I think it's more probably leaning towards Thanos. I yeah. hope so. <laughs> I saw some mm. uh, some fan art. Somebody mm. took the one of the promos for Pitch Black or something like that, mm-hmm. and they photoshopped Thanos' yeah. chin and yeah, yeah. garb on him, and it looked amazing. Yeah. I I like him anyway. Mm-hmm. I don't care. He, I think he's going to surprise everyone mm-hmm. with whatever role they put him in. I think he's going to do a great job. Oh, he's a good actor. Yeah. You know, he does a lot of kind of standard fair action stuff, but... He's proven when he had when he's had to act that he's he is a good actor, mm-hmm. uh, and he said that he's doing like an unconventional love story. That's the thing he's doing with Marvel. So it's got to be either the Vision or it's or or Thanos. He said a quote about it, which I'm trying to find. What, what he said about it? He, pardon? What he said about it? You mean? Yeah. Yeah. That he teased um, the quote that he said. Um, 
Marvel, Marvel was excited to bring a different kind of relationship, a different kind of love story, I guess, kind of inspired from the Dom Letty relationship into the Marvel universe. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people were speculating that it's it's got to either be Thanos or it's got to be Vision based on that alone. Yeah. I mean, and it would seem, I, 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 they're saying there's going to be an announcement at the end of the month as far as uh, what this is going to be. And I think it's going to be their, their D23, their, their, the Disney Expo that they do. I can't imagine that they're ready to announce that he's playing the Vision, who's a character that hasn't even been announced as being in that in the movies at all. That's a good point. So, well, I, it definitely wouldn't be a, as big a deal. No, it wouldn't. Not no. right now. Absolutely not. Until we got closer to to Avengers, it would not be a, as big of a deal. So, I think you're going to see him as Thanos. Oh my god! I, I think <laughs> it makes sense. Like, oh, so. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, we're over this. Yeah. I want him to beat Thanos so bad. <laughs> uh, so the Guardian stuff, I want to see that footage so bad. Uh, I don't know when we'll ever get to see it. We still haven't seen the Ant-Man footage from last year. Somebody so. told me that they're never going to release it online. Yeah. I don't know that no, I... we saw the Ant-Man footage, didn't we? No, no, we? no. Wasn't that, it just... No, not officially, though. I mean, I, if, you, if you found it, if it got... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You've got to find it before it gets pulled. Yeah, I've never got been able to watch it before it got pulled. I was scouring the internet, like, moments after that, just so that I could see it, but no. Yeah. It, it, it never it never showed up. Well, but, you got crazy rules now. you got to surrender your cell phone, all yeah, kinds of things. Yeah. It's, no, not for the panel. They didn't make anyone surrender anything. There's tons of video and... Yeah. Of Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy? Well, not the, no, no, but, like, of the... The actual panel. People oh. took a lot of photos and, and video of the panel just oh, okay. without the video. Um, so the description though, it sounds awesome. And, it, and what the kind of reactions I read all over the internet, the people who were there said all of these movies, they, they feel completely different than any other Marvel movie you've seen. And all the sequels feel different than their originals. So it seems like people came out of that panel very jazzed. And of course, at the end of the panel, uh, Joss Whedon came out and they showed a teaser, which looked like Iron Man's mask that eventually got pounded and melded into the face of Ultron, and they announced the name of Avengers 2, which is Avengers Age of Ultron. Um, to be clear, Joss Whedon came out and he said this is not based on mm-hmm. the Brian Michael Bendis previous Age of Ultron storyline, just a cool name, because it is a great name for, mm-hmm. for a movie. Um, it's going to be the origin of Ultron. The origin of Ultron is going to be different. It's not going to be the same, and it's not going to be, according to him, to do with Hank Pym. Yeah, they want to give that character enough time on his own yeah. rather than try to shoehorn that into this. And yeah. I, I, as much as I want to see Henry Pym, yeah. Yeah, don't give him short shrift here. Let him have his own movie. He's going to have his own movie. And I think, Bob and I talked about this a little bit on the phone uh, yesterday, but I think that when they were scrambling to try to get Ant-Man before Avengers 2, yeah. I think that's. I think you would have seen maybe a Hank Pym created Ultron. But now he says it's going to come from the Avengers that we already know. Uh my idea is probably it's going to be Tony. I've got to mm-hmm. imagine it's got to be Tony. Well, I was uh, I was discussing this with my friend the other day that at the end of Avengers, you see Banner and Tony, they go off together. Yeah. What if during that time while they're working in the labs together, they end up creating the technology to that is Ultron? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in Iron Man 3, you get all these atomic, like all these automated Iron Man suits controlled by Jarvis, who's already a very sophisticated um, yeah. you, uh, uh, artificial intelligence so I, I think I, I think it's got to it's got to come from Tony. I think that Dark Jarvis. Dark Jarvis. Yeah, I was just thinking that. <laughs> and he said the look will be different too because you know Ultron's face is always kind of in this mask of this like this devious smile, and you got to have something a little bit different than just like crazy like particles coming out of a, yeah. a, a face. Someone asked me, "What about you? Do we know what happened to the Destroyer?" No, we don't know what happened to the Destroyer. 
Yeah, no. Maybe. But, um, <laughs> uh, Stephanie, what do you think about this announcement? What do you think about Ultron being the villain in, in the second Avengers movie? Give me, um, give me your take. I mean, obviously I'm excited for Avengers 2. I think that they definitely have what makes a comic book movie down to a science. Mm. Um, I mean, I'm really happy that they announced that it has nothing to do with that hunk of poop that came out of Marvel recently. <laughs> because I would be really upset and really disappointed. Um, but now that they've, you know, established that, you know, we're, we've got nothing to do with that. I'm back to being excited. Who's excited? I am. Yeah. Oh, come on. Quicksilver so, I mean, and Scarlet Witch, too. It's going to yeah. be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. So, I I mean, I can't be more excited. They just know what I, I want to know what else they're going to bring to the table. And I think Ultron's a great villain. And I think it's a bit strange that they're, you know, taking out. Hank Pym from it, but at the same time, I'm interested to see what they do. You can't always have all of the answers mm-hmm. um, in the comic books. It's nice when continuity is the same, and you kind of be like, "Yeah, mm-hmm. I know what's happening." But at the same time, there's nice to have little surprises that you don't see coming. Yeah, and just, I mean, I'm totally one of those people that's like, "That's different from that book." But then at the same <laughs> time, you take a step back and realize that it makes it more fun if it's still well done. Mm-hmm. It doesn't necessarily have to always be an exact carbon copy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Whedon said that too. He, you know, he he wants to remain faithful to, to the books, but he also thinks that in this world of remakes and, and adaptations and reimaginings and reboots, that you've got to bring originality within this structure because it's the only place you get to do these big movies. Is kind of in this already established framework. So you need to bring new stuff or to keep originality alive mm-hmm. in, in these areas. I think I, it all, the sorry, only thing sorry. that bothers me is when they change the continuity in the comic books to match the movie. Like, yeah. Well, that's a whole different that thing. Yeah. Me, but I mean, as long as they kind of just leave it in the movies and yeah. that I'm perfectly fine with them switching things up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that it's also a matter of trust, right? It's just, he made, they made such a great movie with the first one that, if it was a couple of years ago or it was a different set of directors or a different set of writers, this change might make us immediately get up on our haunches and, and, and get angry with a lot of, a lot of spit and, and, and piss and vinegar about it. But because he made such a great movie, we're kind of like, okay, Joss, like mm-hmm. we'll, we'll take it and we'll see what you do. You haven't let us down yet. Like we'll trust you to do what you're, what you're going to well, do. His Avengers movie beyond that, it has the Lee Kirby tone mm-hmm. from those books, heroes squabbling mm-hmm. and all the rest of it, but they, they overcome and they act heroic mm-hmm. and all those great things. It is the real Avengers origin. Loki mm-hmm. gets them together, basically kick the crap yeah. out of Thor. Yeah, yeah. And so he managed to tell that story in a new way. But mm-hmm. for those of us who are continuity nut jobs, yeah. me, there it is. Yeah filtered mm-hmm. but it's there mm-hmm. and recognizable and fun which yeah. is what, certainly what you want out of one of these movies yeah steve are you excited about ultron you know i am <laughs> you know i am i don't think i have to say anything about it it's <laughs> awesome uh and i don't mind the change mm-hmm. you know one of the things that uh joss had said is we're making movies we're not mm-hmm. making comics mm-hmm. if you want the story from the comics there's plenty of comics for you to go out and read you know, we want to, we're trying to do something. We're trying to build a different universe. Mm-hmm. And I, I, it's what you said, trust. Mm-hmm. If it was a different set of circumstances, different creative team, I would perhaps be a little, you know, concerned. But his record has shown time and time again that he makes things work. Mm-hmm. And I trust him to, to build a, a really great story yeah. with it. So, yeah. and we're in the, we're in like the, the age of remakes and reboots 
That's what our, you know, that's what yeah. everybody's doing these days. So why not? Yeah. It was a great surprise too for him to come out and show it because I didn't expect anything about Avengers. Yeah. I expected maybe something Ant Man, maybe the announcement of a, of a future Marvel movie, but not uh, anything Avengers two related. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, you know, I, I think it goes without saying that for me, it's always, and I think I said this before, I don't really care about the minutia of the plot as much as I care about the tone and staying true to the spirit. Uh, uh, of the characters and the creations and it, they seem to get that down very very well so I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of that um, we didn't really talk about De- X-Men Days of Future Past I mean it's just tough because there wasn't a lot of news that came out of it they showed footage uh, which people apparently loved uh, apparently Rogue was wearing green for the first nice. time so she was more traditional and apparently it looked great and the posters they put out this past week look awesome which are like Magneto the that, two Magnetos yeah. and the two Xaviers merged together it's like the first time X-Men has had cool posters before because usually they're kind of garbage posters um, oh god do you remember that poster they released for uh, first class like the very first one yeah oh terrible yeah so the very bad posters usually this these ones look really cool um, that movie seems to be bringing it and you know, Singer mentioned Avengers by, by name and, and kind of striving for that type of thing and creating a universe uh, there. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 panel also, you know, we didn't get a lot of stuff out of that except for Mark Webb kind of gushing about it and the footage apparently looking really, really great. And uh, Andrew Garfield coming in as Spider-Man and being yeah. refused to being addressed as anything but Spider-Man as he got interviewed. That was funny. <laughs> uh, which, which was pretty funny. Uh, and a little bit of news was Jeff Wadlow, the guy who's making Kick-Ass 2, let slip, and this happened right before Comic Con, and more came out Comic Con that he is working on an X Force movie, nice, um, a spinoff mm-hmm. of the X Men, which I think is going to come out of Future Days of Future Past. Uh, he seems to be uh, wanting to kind of grab from a, a kind of the Remender era and and the past era. So he didn't even mention Cable, so there was a little bit of thing of either Cable is going to be in it at all, even well, though he's we've got time travel. So yeah, exactly, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah, so but that's exciting because that shows that Fox is willing to do a little some more weird stuff. With with their universe, which I think is pretty cool, but those are all kind of. I wish there was more talk about about Spider Man and about uh, Future Past, but there just wasn't too much that came out. Except again, Mark Webb hinted at the idea of the Sinister Six coming into into Ooh. fruition, uh, and the idea that you know he asked all these people to come on, you know, because he said Rhino's only in it for a very short amount of time, uh, and he asked people to kind of come on and be like, okay, you come on this movie, and then we want you to be around for later movies. Come back for later movies. Uh, he, he wants to build a Spider-Man uh, universe. So very cool things on the, on the movie side of it. Uh, big, big Comic-Con a, a, as usual. Um, but yeah, so and that's our first show back from, uh, from our little hiatus, even though you guys got to enjoy uh, a couple weeks of us in kind of a different, a different tone there. Um, we unfortunately don't have time for listener feedback this week. I... We were recording this against the wire because it's my sister's birthday today. So happy, happy birthday, birthday, Lindsay! Yeah. Lindsay, my sister. Yeah. I'm going for dinner reservation, so we're gonna have to save the listener feedback for another week. But please, guys, send us in your listener feedback at Talking Comics on Twitter, Facebook.com/slash/TalkingComics, TalkingComicBooks.com. You can comment on stories uh, and info at TalkingComicBooks.com is the email address. Um, uh, my personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorist. Stephanie? At Hello Cookie. Bob? And Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um, and again, uh, September 20th will be our 100th episode. We're going to do it live. We're going to do it in front of people. So if you want to be a part of that, not to throw another email address at you, but it's Bobby at talkingcomicbooks.com. 
let me know that you want to be there. Only tell me if you want to... The initial email doesn't have to be a definite, but if you're going to say you're going to come, it needs to be a definite so I can figure out how many people we can have in there and, and be a part uh, of, of the festivities. Um, and thank you guys so much for your kind words about the history episode and the, the radio theater episode. Um, let us know what you thought of this episode. But... That is it for Talking Comics for this week. So, new releases. Oh, the new releases. It's been <laughs> was, a couple of weeks, guys. I was wondering it's about that. It's been a couple of weeks, all right? Give me a break. Here. I got my yays and nays already. <laughs> all right. Hold on one second here. I've got a Transformers book to get wrong, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So, um, let's see. From Archaea Entertainment, we have Reason for Dragons, hardcover. Uh, from Aspen Comics, All New Fathom, number one. Uh, Avatar Press, Cross Badlands, number 33, Ferals, number 16, and Stitch, number 15. From Boom Studios, we have Fanboys vs. Zombies, number 16, Peanuts, number 10, and Steed and Mrs. Peel, number 10. One more to go. Um, from Dark Horse, we have uh, Dark Horse Presents, number 26. We've got Gamma, One Shot, Lobster Johnson, Ascent of Lotus, number 1. Mass Effect Foundation, number one. Massive, number 14. Mind Management, number 13. Uh, Star Wars Legacy, volume two, number five. From DC Comics, we have All-Star Western, number 22. Aquaman, number 22. Arrow, number nine. Batman Superman, number two. Batman the Dark Knight, number 22. Catwoman, number 22. Constantine, number five. Flash, number 22. Uh, Green Teen, Green Team Teen Trillionaires, number three. Justice League Dark, number 22. Larflees, number 2. Um, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 22. Superman, number 22. Talon, number 10. Teen Titans, number 22. Unwritten, number 51. From Dynamite Entertainment, we have Army of Darkness versus Hack Slash, number 1 of 6. <laughs> um, oh, I don't, I don't know if it was Comic-Con or not, but Steve Niles is taking over Army of Darkness for yeah. Dynamite ongoing. So wow. it's awesome. pretty cool news. Uh, Damsel's Mermaids, number three. Dark Shadows, year one, number four. Garth Ennis's Red Team, number four. Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number four. Uncanny, number two. And Warlords of Mars, number 27. From IDW, we have Crow Curary, number two. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> Danger right. Girl Trinity, number four. Doctor Who, number 11. Uh, Doomsday Point One, number wow. three of four. Seems like forever since that's been out. G.I. Joe, The Cobra Files, number four. Ghostbusters, number six. Jin Rise, number six. Judge Dredd, number nine. Uh, Popeye Classics, number 12. Uh, Rocketeer in the, the Spirit, Pulp Friction, number one by Mark, Mark Wade. Wade. Yep. Star Trek, number 23. Thumbprint by Joe Hill, number two. Transformers Prime Beast Hunters, number three. What? Vit- Vitriol the Hunter, number six. And Wild Blue Yonder, number two. They're messing with me. <laughs> uh, from Image Comics, we have Bounce, number three. Clone, number nine. Dream Merchant, number three. Uh, Lazarus, number two. Mice Templar, number four. Legend, number five. Witchblade, number 168. From Marvel Comics, we have Captain America number nine, Gambit number 15, Hawkeye Annual number one, yes. Hunger number one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Interesting. That's the Joshua Elfialkov, Galactus, and the Ultimate Universe yep. uh, book. Uh, Journey into Mystery number 654. Um, <laughs> uh, we've got um, New Avengers number eight. Yes. Uh, Scarlet Spider, number 19. Superior Spider-Man, number 14. What, Superior what? Spider-Man Team-Up, number one, which is Avenging Spider-Man is ending, and that's kind of taking over for that. Oh. Yeah. 
we have Ultimate Comics X-Men number 29, Uncanny Avengers number 10, What If AVX number 3, Wolverine number 7, Wolverine the X-Men number 33, um, and we have Young Avengers number 8. That's not enough Wolverine books. I'm sorry. Um, what was I going to say? Okay. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, we've got Xenoscope. Here we go. Here we go. I was thinking if there's any Valiant. Oh, there are Valiant. Okay, here we go. Bloodshot number 13 and Harbinger number 14 are coming out from Valiant. And from Xenoscope, these are all Grim Fairy Tales Presents. Hunters the Shadowlands number 3, Robin Hood Wanted number 3, and Wounded Warrior Special. Uh, so that's it for new releases. I do want to say real quick, uh, we had a listener on Twitter ask me if I'd say really quickly my impressions of the Catching Fire theatrical trailer. Oh, I saw that. The Hunger Games sequel that came out. I thought the trailer looked awesome. Um, I loved the first movie, so I'm very excited. This is my favorite one of the books of the series, mm-hmm. and I think it looks great. I think it looks exactly what I would want from it. Cool. Um, so I'm really excited about it. Steve, what did you think? I was really, I loved the second half of the trailer. I'd already, I felt like I'd already seen everything yeah. from the first half. Yeah, 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 absolutely. But then they, they get into the games again mm-hmm. and it looks really, really exciting. Some of the effects are just awesome. Yeah. And I, I also did really like the book. I, didn't necessarily like how it started, mm-hmm. but I love where it went. Yeah. So to see that second half of the trailer for the stuff of that book that I really did enjoy mm-hmm. to bring it to life like they did, I'm I re- actually rewatched Hunger Games just last night. Yeah. Uh, I'm very jazzed yeah. for the release of the movie. Stephanie, what do you think? I'm excited. Yeah. Um, the first one was a bit hit or miss for me, but I think this one looks better. It looks like one of those ones that could be better than the original. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know. I want to see where they go with it. And, you know, obviously with movies being adapted from books, they have to cut out certain things. So it'll be interesting to see what they take in and leave out and all that. But, yeah. Oh, my cat just drooled all over me. Anyways, (laughs) but yeah. Sorry. It's okay. And I love Jennifer Lawrence, so I'll always take some more Jennifer Lawrence. She was so funny on the red carpet. She was just walking around, like, doing interviews with a bag of candy. And a friend (laughs) of mine, like, interviewed her. And I guess, like, she was just like, do you want some of this candy? (laughs) <laughs> and she's just offering candy to the interviewers. Mm-hmm. No. She's uh, she's pretty awesome. She's uh, adorable. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so now that is all for the Talking Comics mm-hmm. podcast. For Steve, see ya, Bob, good night, and Stephanie. Uh, bye. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics, to be continued. Mm-hmm.